Dude, this is super embarrassing. So, your last name is pronounced Elias, correct? Yes. I recorded it Elias, and I'm going to re-record now because I'm a fucking idiot. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> nope, got it. Never forget. Right. Never forget. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you later. Right. Okay, then. So, y- I guess you understand. It is Mike Elias who is on the show today. And if you don't know who Mike is, Mike is Ship John from Portland. And I met Mike through Chris Warren at Westco when we were when I was in town working on the new boots. He took me over to Ship John and introduced me to Mike. And I was blown away immediately. I, I, I was familiar with Ship John and their goods. And there's the highest quality. I love kind of dissecting their garments because they're fantastic. But I'd never been to what was their new-ish shop. I think it had been there for a minute, but I was just, I'm blown away by his workshop and his attention to detail. Those spaces really inspire me. And when I got to speaking with Mike, I realized there is this quiet kindness and humbleness, but confidence. And it was really fun to get to know him through this process. And we also discovered a very old network of friends that we used to run with back in the late 90s, early 2000s, early aughts, as they say. It was really fun to unpack all that and realize that's where that comes from. I felt like I knew you without knowing you, and I love that feeling. It's awesome when you make a new friend like that, and that's what happened with Mike and I. And then we decided to do this collaboration. We developed a linen garment that we brought to the market together and I'm so happy this is probably one of the my favorite things I've done so far because it is such a utility living in the desert or somewhere hot and it's a part of my uniform now I mean I feel naked without it putting it on every day and we did a very thorough job of developing this one not to say that anything else developed it wasn't thorough but this one was we were kind of like, man, are we going to pull this off? Because we had a really hard time finding and sourcing the linen that would hold up in the way that we needed it to, but was still breathable. And it would hold the aspects of what we wanted to do with a linen shirt, such as the signature ship John snap buttons. And those elements all had to click together if we were going to do it. And we finally did. And I'm so proud of it. And I'm very happy to be a part of Ship John in that way. And we're doing more. I know I get a lot of emails and questions about whether we're doing more. We sold out in one minute of the first run that we did. We have 250 more yards that we are going to, as soon as this interview comes out, we are going to do a another pre-order opener. And we have to do those pre-orders because with limited yardage as we have, we kind of have to know that the yield that that will make specific to the sizes that are ordered so we don't have any waste. And that's the best way to do it. And it worked out really great. Everybody uh, got their order in with their size and we were able to lay it out. And we, we honestly did not have one shirt left over. And we're lucky because we didn't get any exchanges or anything like that. So that worked out awesome. But we're going to do that again. Stay on top of it and uh, get your order in when that happens. And I know you'll really love it as much as I do. So yes, Mike Elias.
you, you know, uh, it was it was awesome getting to know him over the couple of days having him out in the desert. And we had a great time just, you know, eating dinners and doing this interview. We cruised around. I showed him around the neighborhood. But then before he had to go to the airport, we jumped on one of Eric's dirt bikes. He jumped on one of Eric's dirt bikes. And Eric, Mike, and myself went on a little rip. And I told the guys, I said, yo, I follow me. <laughs> Uh, I'll show you uh, this new route that I found. And I fucked up and I got lost. And we went up and over a mesa and into what I thought was the ravine we should be in. And I believe I was off by enough that when we came out and down, we landed in a place we were not supposed to be and damn near got shot off our bikes. And I that was my fault 100%. But we uh, we calmed the situation down, took the necessary steps to make that better, and everybody's good. But that was a hell of an adventure in getting him to the airport uh, with that little loop around the neighborhood. Again, that's my fault. That happens way too often out here. Um, and I feel terrible because I, I really try and respect the people's land and their, you know, the the way that they occupy it and run it and I fucked up Uh, anyway never a dull moment out here on the blue Toddcast, ladies and gentlemen yeah so I'm I'm excited for you to hear the interview it's very special I say let's get to it and so you can know Mike and hear our conversation and um, I think I was pretty jazzed up on coffee by the end of it I went into it pretty sleepy in the morning and by because I gave it a listen I was like man I'm talking pretty fast by the end of maybe three cups of coffee which is the way I like it what you know so shoot me no don't that almost happened fuck anyway I hope you enjoy the interview and I hope you enjoy the original music on this show done by my good friend and partner Rocco DeLuca I love you Rocco and his episode will be coming up soon. But before that, let's get to Mike Elias. Everyone, buckle up. Can can you hear me? It's almost like a Bob Barker microphone. <laughs> the price is right. Rest in peace. Check check. Actually, this sounds pretty good. No, this is this when I refer to my studio. Yeah. Here you are. I love it. Thanks, man. It's nice in here. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I stopped you last night, actually, because I wanted to start off with a little violence, because that's always intriguing. How did you get hit in the head with a hatchet? Uh, Should we just dive yeah. into that story? Yeah, I can, I can, I can give you the because it kind of kept me awake last night, wondering. I'll give you the Reader's Digest version, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Without getting getting too deep into it. Um, simply put, we had just had a uh, uh, we do shop shows. At, a, at our shop all the buildings that i've ever had yeah um we invite musicians in to play music in a in a different space you know in a leather workshop and it's pretty cool yeah so we had one of those shows one night um and beautiful party our friends good art were there they had a little trunk show we had drinks and music and nothing but good times and leaving the place my wife and i locked up the doors after everyone left and we're walking to my car and two kind of tweaker dudes rolled up on us and 
Uh, before I knew it, one of them snuck me and hit me hit me in the head with a hatchet. What? No. Fuck. Yeah. What year was this? That was 28, 2018. Yeah, almost five years ago. That is pre-pandemic. Yes. So it's only gotten worse, I assume? I mean, it's a city, you know? Yeah. We live in a city. Yeah. And... You know, I've, I don't live in a city. <laughs> well, not yeah. <laughs> but, this is not a city. Yeah, I, I have. Yeah. But. Uh, and, and I don't, like, even, even with the, the violence that you see, I've, Portland got a, a big magnifying glass put on it with protests and things like that. And, I mean, I lived in Philadelphia for a long time, and I saw crazy shit there. Yeah. In the day, you know. It was, no, it's true. It's a city. and I saw yeah. that. I saw that in every city I've lived in. Yeah. Um, Actually, Seattle was fucking violent, Yeah. too. I lived in Pioneer Square. I had an art residency at the Tashira Kappa building right there in Pioneer Square, yeah. which is funny because I live in Pioneer Town now. Yeah. <laughs> so when I write my address, sometimes I write Pioneer Square just out of like, and I'm like, oh, fuck no. Um, but I was up in my, I had like a corner loft at this art residency I was up working one night and there was this homeless dude that would consistently kind of yell a lot. Yeah. It was bad. It was like he was, something was there and he was yelling at it. But it's drug related. This was a yeah. drug zone where they let people do drugs gotcha. and get high. And they, it was kind of an unspoken rule down there. But I saw a cop pull up and like try and address him. And this fucking dude just straight up slap the cop in the face just like boom and the cop just kind of looked around to see if anybody saw and obviously he didn't see me up in my window watching and he just got in his car and drove away that was that yeah yeah he just took a slap and was like this ain't worth it yeah i probably would have done the same thing dude honestly yeah Yeah. and i mean i'm not gonna put this animal in my car and i don't mean to call him an animal but he he was like a caged animal at he that was, point he was he was in the thick of it yeah and it's yeah i mean what what they need to do is and they're trying to do this in portland is uh put together um kind of counselors to talk with people like that because cops aren't they're not prepared to deal with uh whether it's a mental breakdown or a drug related uh, no and uh it's actually worked out in portland to have a social worker assigned social to workers it. and um that's really smart yeah, so they can confront, uh, de-escalate, and, and your city gets a bad rap right now, man. I'm it sorry, really does. <laughs> it gets a real bad rap. Yeah, and I mean, starting off with a crazy story like that, it it sounds crazy, like that shit. Yeah, uh, that shit was nuts. So does L.A. though. Oh, dude. Yeah. You know, and I lived in downtown L.A. for almost ten years, yeah. and I saw overdoses, and you know, recently Cody told me he lives. He's who we turned the keys to over to when we left you know he told me somebody got shot right behind the shop and died i mean that's a straight up murder yeah Yeah. (laughs) and that's you know it's on our street my truck got like somebody tried to steal my truck three different times i know cody's buddy's truck got stolen right out of the yard yeah it's fucking it's sketchy yeah man that that's uh, yeah right now i think all over um (laughs) people are bold People are really bold right now. Cars are stolen so much up in Portland. And or catalytic converters. Yeah, catalytic converters. Or just, <laughs> Nick got her battery stolen out of one. Of, it, it's just, it's, you got to look at every angle of what you're doing yeah. and think, 
All right, am I vulnerable in some way yeah. when you're when you're living there? When you got hit in the head, did you? I mean, was that like you're in the hospital? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Was your so, wife okay? Did she? She was fine. So well, she so didn't I got, hit you. I got. I was out. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. She was already in the car. It was kind of this thing where we were trying to, you know, just get the fuck out of there. Mm. So you um, saw them coming up on yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. And then one one was like, I was I was conversating with one just to like kind of de-escalate and get out of there and the other one kind of sucker came up fuck hit me um she was already in the car so for all intents and purposes she saw her husband get murdered good you know um because it was i mean my skull was cracked um i came to in the hospital and i couldn't talk how did she get you she got you in the car oh yeah she she uh no, 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 no. She didn't give me the car. She called the hospital. She called the uh, she ambulance. Called they, they showed up, and the dudes kind of took off after it happened. I think they realized they did something a little a little further down the line than they expected. What um, the And fuck? they got the fuck out of there. Uh, I came to be, like, post-knockout and pre-anesthesia for the emergency surgery, and... Emergency surgery. Oh, you had yeah. to operate. Yeah, my I mean my skull was cracked in and pushing on the part of my brain that that uh transmits the thoughts into speech. Bro. So I woke up and my first thought was like I I knew something had happened. I knew my wife was there. Yeah. And I wanted to say like where's my wife? Is she okay? But it, my, the word just came out like whoa, whoa. Like, what? No it it didn't work. So my skull was pushed in on the, it's called the Broca's uh, area of your brain, and that's part of, the, there's a couple areas that kind of do this speech. Um, uh, Translation? Yeah, from, from your thought to, to you know, speech is, is your vocal cords in your mouth shaping the air into words, and that's kind of the part of your brain that that transmits all that. And everything worked up to the point of words coming out, but I could I couldn't talk. I get in in my head. I'm like, you know, I couldn't talk. Finally, they got me a piece of paper because they were like, he's trying to say something. Yeah, and wrote, you could write it out. Though. Yeah, yeah, because everything worked, but I couldn't. the The words didn't. Oh work. my god, that's weird. It was it was the weirdest fucking feeling in the world. That is um, really weird. And I wrote real big on the piece of paper. My wife, I wish I still had that piece of paper. <laughs> 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 and they were like, "She's okay." And in my mind, she's in the operating room next to me. Right. So I started getting the fuck up off the gurney or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and uh, finally, one of the nurses like, we, we got to get her. So they ran out, got my wife. She came in and, you know. And you calmed down. Yeah. So they put, they sent you into surgery right away to relieve that. Yeah, uh, they couldn't, they couldn't like pop the crack back out of my skull. So they just cut a hole in there and popped a, the surgeon called it the manhole cover, just like a titanium plate. You got a plate in your head? Yeah. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> This is way crazier than the story I imagined last night. Yeah, so, yeah, I didn't really dig into it too much. No, you were so casual about it. Yeah. Well, it's it's you know it's far removed, and I still deal with uh, trauma. Like if if it, if I feel if I sound mumbly, you know, it's it's still hard for my brain to like 
get the words out because that part of my brain was so affected. So once they pull them, like, cut that open and that manhole cover was on, were you pretty much immediately like, oh, there it is, I can talk again? No, it took me a while. I could actually sing before I could, like, formulate sentences. I, I play, oh. play and sing songs and shit. Yeah. I remember I, you know, I was just sitting there healing up. Um, what do you do? Uh, play on the guitar? Around. So I grab my guitar. Write a song about yeah. getting hatchet to the <laughs> yeah. head. Hatchet to the head. You should write that song. Well, right. the funny thing is, my friend, do you know Kate Hefstead? She makes cowboy hats. Yeah, I know who she up is. Up in Oregon. Yeah. Um, I was wearing one of her hats. Like, what is it? 100X beaver beautiful freaking hat did it save your head since it was so the surgeon literally said if i wasn't wearing that hat i'd probably not be here do you get do you get alarmed now when somebody's behind you or like there's a situation or are you no no i've been in so many like fist fights as a kid yeah younger man and yeah to me i mean it it's the craziest thing that's ever happened to me by it's pretty crazy dude um and i'm the only one in that I know of that's survived a hatchet to the head. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it was definitely crazy, but like I, you know, I've, I've been through stuff and, and it's, it didn't change that. Like the, the kind of like fear of people behind me. Yeah. 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 That's um, a hell of a sucker punch though. God yeah. Damn. Yeah. I mean, is it, did that concern you about opening a store in Portland then? No, my, I mean, I already had a store. Oh, yeah, uh, that's at right. At that point, we were in, I had a shop on MLK Boulevard at that time. I I, I did want to move from that location just because it was kind of stained at that point. Sure. And we did. Uh, we got a nicer shop. and Your shop now is so incredible. Thanks, man. You, I mean, yeah, it really inspired me. Though. I haven't only been there once when I first met you yeah. when yeah. it was there. But, man, it made me, at that point, I had also left my shop in L.A., but I've been trying ever since we left to get but get that back. I miss my shop so much. Make it happen, man. Yeah, I no, I, I am. I, it's going to happen. I can't wait it, to see it. It <laughs> is. And in fact, today we'll go, I'll go show you the building I'm looking at. I'm, I'm really excited about it again. And it's been a long time since I felt that. Yeah. So I, I think it could work. When you first started out with Ship John, were you doing online strictly or was it kind of a, almost a word of mouth thing or? It was like early in the days of Instagram, kind of working the way that used that it used to work. And and did I, you do I, any other social? Was it just Instagram that you just sold only off of? Instagram? Yeah, I had like a personal Facebook at the time, and I'd share some stuff on there. But so I mean, it was really a lot of support from my friend group and community community in Portland. Like they they knew I was making wallets, and like I want a fucking wallet. I have so many friends who have like an original one of the original wallets I was making way back then. That's where you started with leather? Well, I originally started, the first thing I sewed and sold were cycling hats. You mm. know, like the little short bill. Yeah, yeah. Um, because at the time you couldn't, you couldn't get cycling hats without a big logo on the side. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really a big logo kind of guy. So I was like, wow, I'll make, make blank ones. And... I made this wool one and happened to meet Sasha White from Vanilla Bicycles. It's a hand-built, beautiful hand-built uh, bicycle frame. Where do they company. make those? In Portland. In Portland? Yeah. God, there's so many good makers in Portland. Yeah. Yeah, it's rad. So I met Sasha, um, and he wanted me to make a run of those hats for his brand. 
and that was so that was like the first kind of like getting money for something that I made with my hands. Right. Know? And that's a sewing machine. You do it at home. Yeah, I just had a home sewing machine and I yeah. was, you know, making patterns myself. It was it was fun. And then Sasha <clears throat> I've always made all kinds of stuff, tinkered with my hands and Sasha was just starting a leg of his brand called Speedwagon, which was uh, or still is um like ready-made race bikes instead of the vanilla bicycles were like fully custom like hand-carved lugs beautiful mm-hmm. like works of art um speed was like a production frame that was based on some of sasha's designs um so he needed help with production of those so he asked me if i needed a job i was like working in bars and coffee shops at the time and i was like dude i'd much rather do this like machine work on bicycle frames hell yeah what year was that 2007 or 8 somewhere in there dude that's not that long ago it was it was before so i had my son in 2009 it must have been 2007 yeah yeah that i started working with sasha that's right when i was living at k2 or or working at k2 like i just started there so that's pretty remarkable started that came along that quickly i feel like to the shop you have now it's been, you know, I started maybe in 2006. What's the math on that? Like, when I was starting to make wallets and things like that, and those 20, hats. Um, uh, was that 18? Or, no, no. 17 years? 17 years. So it's it's been a long road, and I didn't have any money to, like, it wasn't a startup, funded startup, you know. Was, I guess that is, 17 years is pretty. Yeah. But were you shipped, John, then? No, originally I called it a, I called it Tomahawk. And uh, there were the people own rights to names and things like that. And then at a certain point, I had to switch the name up. Um, Ship John is a lighthouse where I grew up. Oh, cool. Ship John Shoal, Delaware Bay, New Jersey. I grew up fishing out there. And my first job was on an oyster boat. Um, my dad's an oysterman. Needed a job, work on boats. And uh, it's a navigation point. It's right in the middle of, middle of the Delaware Bay there. And north of ship john south of ship john i was always wondering that what that name came yeah, from it's a lighthouse ah i got it and it uh, makes, i got it on my arm there. it makes more sense now seeing that yes yeah. yeah it's a weird couple of words together if you don't know the context it's a location which it's it is location yeah. ship john shoal and i like i think my favorite logo of yours is actually the sailor font oh thanks it's really good yeah. did you make that the 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 like word word mark yeah yeah john. No, no, some other guy made that for It's me. fucking cool. Yeah, thanks, man. I did I, the I did the little SJ hook thing based on I took some elements from that and I designed that little SJ hook. Oh yeah, that's a that I mean that's yeah, that's a clean one too. I've been kind of diving into logo design for this cafe. I'm like, man, there are so many people better at this than I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's funny when you know, you're I'm sure you have capable design sense but they're then there are pros <laughs> there are the, the guys that really are fast you yeah, know because yeah. i look at everything like it's a piece of artwork like it's precious mm-hmm. that's the biggest problem i have as an artist it's like i don't move on yeah i just i get so fixated on on something that i lose momentum oh dude me too you know what i mean yeah yeah for sure i don't know if that's a i mean some in some ways i think that's good yeah uh, for quality control yeah. reasons, but for volume and yeah. just production, it's not. You watch people like you know Aaron Draplin. He's a buddy of mine up in. He's a he's a very well known graphic designer um, up in Portland, and he'll do these little videos of just 
like illustrator tricks and things like that. Right. Watching him blast through like idea after idea, just like firing them off, you know, and he'll start with sketches and then, and then move to the computer. And I don't know how he works that fast. And all the ideas, I'm like, wait, that, that one was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, right. Like, I know. You just see him going through these things. It's, it's like it's watching cool. someone play through a song. Yeah. With like the, a rhythm to it. I had a boss and I worked as a designer for a period of time. Um, Mark Fankhauser, who okay. was one of those masters. He, he, he designed for all the snow sports at the time. Mm-hmm. He was incredible. But him in Illustrator was such a treat to watch. Yeah. And um, I would aspire to move like he did, but I couldn't even tell what he was doing because yeah. it's all key commands and oh, it's yeah, so sure fast yeah. and it's, it's just so effective that yeah. it, like there was no, there was no drag between an idea that popped up in his head and what he could communicate yeah. the program to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I pretty much, I learned illustrator in, I want to say the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, and stopped right there. Like I, I learned enough to do pretty much anything I want with, without the commands. And I know a few, but I never, I never I know. Pro- progressed beyond that. So I can handle myself in illustrator. But, Same. The, the uh, Adobe suite is so expensive now though. Yeah. Yeah. I'm using a version from 2017 yeah, that I owned cause I won't, <laughs> I am, I won't even update this computer because I don't want to go in down that rabbit hole. Well, I could still do everything I need to. Totally man. And the, there, there are new tools that are that are in it that I'm sure are amazing. Um, I do. I have a subscription for the new one, for the cloud one now, and I'm sure that there are things within there that if I sat down and figured them out, my mind would be blown. Yeah. Well, I just learned that that little that little circle in the corner. I don't even know if you have it, but like, I used to like make a circle and cut away. Like if I wanted to round a corner in a square. Right, like cut it away with, and then <laughs> and then put embed it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just learned this little circle there that you just you could just drag it between nineties and yeah. do the do around the corner. Oh, yeah, I, did, you just I didn't drag know a that circle. There. Yeah, I do it the same way. You, I make it as hard as possible. Yeah. <laughs> and that that changed my my whole perspective on on you know at least that aspect of. Did, were you always were you always an artist? Were you drawing and and. Yeah. sewing and, and those kind of things yeah i mean when i was a kid i was like altering pants you know because i couldn't Dude, grow, same. grow up pretty 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 poor yeah we had a beautiful upbringing but we didn't have a lot of money around so like when in the 90s when the, the big pants were in i'd oh, yeah. like make my dad's wranglers kind of wide leg yeah you'd <laughs> add a strip down the inseam yeah did the same thing and, and my mom <clears throat> uh she noticed that i really caught on to using the sewing machine mm-hmm. and she was like, I'm going to teach you how to make patterns. Very cool. So we did that for a while. And then I started buying patterns from like, you know, fabric yeah. stores. And as a kid, I used to hate going to fabric stores with my mom. Yeah. And then when I became like a teenager and I started to understand the utility of clothing, I really started getting into it. Yeah. And yeah. sewing became a big part of my life. <laughs> That's great, man. It's good to have that, that, that skill kind of embedded, you know? Yeah. And it changes your perspective on um, when you understand patterns and, and construction of clothing, it, it kind of changes your perspective on what you can do and what you can change and where you can end up with a with an end garment, you know. It's, it's such a neat transition between a design on paper to something you're wearing. Yeah. It's not like metal fabrication. It is actually similar to metal fabrication. Yeah. In fact, when I make... 
when I started doing metal work, I was like, oh, this is just like making patterns or templates. Yeah, you're, you're taking something flat and, yeah, and converting yeah, it into a dimensional object. Yeah, it was really, it was like a quick transition. And even, you know, when you, you have to take drapery and, and these kind of folds and things into metal kind of does the same thing mm -hmm. in the way that it stretches and bends. And yeah. uh, you can imagine the difference, but there are some similarities there. Yeah, I was lucky that time with Vanilla Bicycles. I was very, I'm very thankful for that time with metal. You yeah, know, I got, I got to. He, he was still. Sorry, this is a digression again, but um, he was still doing those custom kind of high end, ornate lug work bikes at that point, and and I was doing a lot of his. I was kind of Sasha's right hand man, so I got to do a lot of like finish work on fillet braises and prep work on lugs and and because those uh, bicycle frames are all brazed aren't they uh those are are they titanium uh, well, or, or what are <clears throat> the, the speed wagons are, back then they were like half braze has half take welded oh so they so, were okay <clears throat> so we would yeah. fillet braze the top tube onto the seat tube at that point now, uh -huh. now they're all take welded i think what what metal was he steel oh they were steel yeah. frame bikes yeah oh even better yeah so lugged bikes were all silver soldered silver brazed on on the lug work uh-huh and you know all the brazons are silver silver brazed on and then if you get into like a fillet braze bike that that's a brass fillet braze you know two two pieces of steel are coped or mitered together and yeah. then you, you kind of build a, a ramp what Philip raises. Were you doing the getting to do the brazing too? A little bit, yeah. Oh, it was, awesome. It was kind of <clears throat> he he did the brazing for the production bike bikes, but through him I learned I learned it and was just starting to do some of it. Like I built my wife a frame when I was there and brazed that whole thing myself. Oh, awesome! The coolest the coolest braze that I ever experienced. And if bike builders are listening, they're probably gonna laugh at me, but <clears throat> or maybe not. Maybe they still think it's cool, but. I think like it's cool. I know the bottom doing. bracket, you know, the part of a bike. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a lug on a lug bike with, you know, chainstay entry, seat tube, and down tube. Mm -hmm. So you've got these four entries, but you introduce the silver on one side and brazing, it follows the heat, you know. The yeah, torch. Uh, jumps in there. Yeah, so you pull, you pull the silver kind of blindly out the other holes. Like, you don't... You, you pull it through. Yeah, you introduce it on, on say, the down tube. And instead of, like, introduce it, you're pulling it. And then, then then you know that it's made it all the way through because it's, oh, right. it's passed through all the all the ins and outs of that. And that kind of blew my mind. That is cool. When I, when I first learned that, it was cool. You know, the first frame that I ever did or repaired was a early knucklehead frame. Mm -hmm. This was a long time ago. Yeah. But it was still braced. Yeah. So I knew TIG welding, but brazing was somewhat new. Yeah. So that was really fun to learn and watch. Uh, now everything's, you know, more, the more modern frames are more modern, you know, starting in whatever it would be, the late 40s yeah. <laughs> uh, are welded, you know, yeah. but it's, it's, yeah, it's such an art form. So you went from working there and selling hats to making clothing yeah, I mean, at, that was, um, so while I was there, uh, some of the bikes required little little leather bits and bobs, and we, I started making bags for the bikes, mm -hmm. like custom bags for the custom bikes, and that came 
with that with that came uh, more of a love for leather because I was using at that time wax canvas and leather straps and handles on the bags and things like that and that just kind of opened up a whole whole nother uh, aspect of what I wanted to and now could do with fabric and leather uh, so I started designing like backpacks and tote bags and, and all that kind of stuff and uh, all the while working at Vanilla, then I switched jobs to working at more bars again. I was a stonemason for a while, doing like dry stack rock walls and flat work up in Portland. That and is an art form. It, yeah, yeah, I miss that. I miss that work a lot. I actually do too. It's so much fun. I, I worked for a stonemason for a period of time, and I look around here, and there is so much stonework I would love to do. Dude, isn't it crazy once you've done that, how you look at look at those walls? It is, actually. And not only that, but you just look at rock. Yeah. Like, I look totally. at look at all this yeah. rock, especially when we were out yesterday, yeah. because there's a ton of native stone with a lot of quartz in it up there. Mm -hmm. I'll try and take you up there before you go on the dirt yeah. bikes. But you could build a fucking cabin. Oh, hell You man. could just yeah. start right now, and it's it's, it's the the sand washed so much of it away. I'm like, there is a house where's a stone right here. Yeah, yeah. And it's remarkable because they didn't... I know there's a few of them in, in old town, Yucca, and, and up here that are stone homes. Mm. I don't know why they didn't do more, though. It's like, it's literally sitting right here in the ground. Yeah. But everybody was still using this kind of lumber. And the fire came. Now it's all burned. Yeah. But those stone, the stone foundations and the stonework that they did on all the homes is still standing. Yeah, a hundred years later. That's that's pretty impressive. And makes a lot of sense. Yeah, fire can't fire can't fuck with that. That's cool, man. You are doing stonework. So yeah, and I, I was I was carrying rocks around, buff, and destroying. Buff. Oh yeah, I, yeah, huge. <laughs> yeah. Did you have a, a tong carrier? Because I, I did no. a lot of scaffolding stuff where I'd have to lug that shit up like three levels of scaffolding. No, all, all the things I built were on the ground. Yeah. Um, so a lot of wheelbarrow loads and carrying. It's great exercise. Oh, yeah. yeah. I truly miss that work. But I would just destroy clothing. That's yeah. when I got in the West Coast. Oh. Um, and that's when I... I I spent, like, I saved up for a pretty, I won't mention the jacket, but, a, like, a pretty rad workwear jacket. Yeah. I know what it would be. And. Can I say? No, no. You no. won't tell me if I'm right? <laughs> no. Oh, it wasn't? No. Oh, okay. Um, you shredded it, though. In, like, two weeks. Jesus. Just, like, they used uh, chain stitches down the front placket and, you know, chain stitch. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you damage one area, it could potentially, unless you catch it, it could potentially just unravel. Yeah. And two weeks, this jacket was completely falling apart. So at that point, I was making um, bags out of that heavy, like, 18-ounce. It's 24-ounce after it's waxed twill. And I was like, I bet you I can make a jacket out of this. This is the first garment I ever made. Uh -huh. So I kind of, like, took this first pattern, clothing pattern and garment I ever made. I kind of took that jacket because I like the fit of it and... I like certain aspects of it, but uh, it was just constructed very poorly and drew up a pattern kind of based on that, changed some things that I thought could be changed, half-assed in certain portions, you know, um, and, and in, in one day I kind of cut the fabric I had laying around and put together the first wheel jacket, which is our kind of flagship piece still, and wore that thing doing the stonework, and it was tough as nails. And then everyone wanted one. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I didn't even... I just, like, threw a picture on my very modest little Instagram account. Yeah. And people were like, what the fuck? And That's so inspiring. Snowballed and snowballed. And, and now, here we are. Yeah, now it's sold out until 2026. That's insane, <laughs> man. That's great. How many people do you have sewing for you now? On the Wheels Jacket line, there are three full-time and kind of two part-time. Um, uh, my wife, Amanda, works there, and she's kind of a floater, so she'll go do prep work mm-hmm. back there. So she's not, like, really on the line. Uh, of those jackets um but there's you know there's kind of two part-time people her and uh, another person and then three people who are just full-on working on those jackets this is the story i love to tell though where it happens so humbly out of a necessity is you you weren't chasing a trend you weren't you weren't (laughs) trying to create something to bring to the market you were trying to make a jacket that you could build a stone fence with yeah that's exactly (laughs) what i was trying to do and i didn't i didn't know like honestly like we fall in this kind of for lack of a better term denim head world or or like workwear stylistic workwear world yes because you have a sense of style though we're we're in there but i didn't come from that i didn't know i didn't even know that existed (laughs) you know that people were into i wore wranglers and like pretty much the outfit that i wear every day now like a denim wrangler shirt and wrangler jeans now i have my own version of them you just make a better version well that's yeah that's the utility of it because those were I, you always just look for an improvement and do it. Yeah. It's like every time I take my bike apart yeah. and I've got it in pieces, I'm like, I make myself think of a better way to put it back together. Yeah. That's, yeah. Because if, because you know it's going to come apart again. What's that one thing that's really bumming you out that you could improve mm-hmm. to make this process more simple? Yeah. And that's, I mean, I I think people build bikes, like they get excited about putting them together. I get more excited about how they come apart. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like how easy is it for me to get in there and do this thing that I know is going to have to be done? Yeah. Possibly on the side of the road. Yeah. It's more of a utility and then it becomes fashionable. Yeah. And then, I mean, the beauty of that with anything, I mean, especially a motorcycle, especially an old motorcycle, um, that's probably going to break down. When once you've taken it apart and put it in the back together, you know every goddamn thing about that bike. So yes. if it you do wind up chilling somewhere for a little bit with a couple of wrenches in your hand, you're probably going to get it worked out. You know? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean that's the only reason we can go as far as we do. Yeah. Like I can't. I don't have. I can't just put something on a credit card. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like <laughs> I know I have to be able to get home yeah. or just leave this fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's a, a difference in those guys and then the ones that, <laughs> you know, you pay someone to work on your bike. Yeah. yeah. To me, I think you should always aspire to get there. Yeah. You know, you should aspire to accumulate the tools that you need. What people don't see when they look at an old bike going down the road is the garage that it came from. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking crazy. Yeah. And it's such a collection of machinery and it's it's wisdom that i seek i don't have the wisdom but it's a collection of of this understanding and comprehension of of how everything goes together and uh and and building the wisdom i mean no even the best harley mechanics out there building old bags are still learning i learn something every day 
every single day. But the point is, like, the fantasy is to be that guy going down the road, right? And you spend all this money, and I think people come in hot, and they buy one of these bikes that are just as expensive as a new bike now. Yeah. And they realize, like, oh, fuck, I have to keep this thing running. (laughs) And the real fantasy should be starting out. It's like, the fantasy should be the garage, not the road. Yeah, I, I like that. And, and th- I mean, uh, that's just not, it's not something you can explain until you get frustrated enough times and you're depending <laughs> on someone else. I was lucky. I had a lot of help. You know, I, I would, sometimes I say I'm self-taught because I didn't have like, you know, my dad wasn't into these. It wasn't something that, I wasn't self-taught. I had a ton of fucking help. Yeah. I still have help. I call, I consult people all the time. And that's the beauty of the, the community involved. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it really is. <clears throat> She never tried to remove that from the equation, calling a buddy to check in on. I do the same thing. My buddy Trevor and I are, we text more than anybody. He's He's been a, a builder up there. He doesn't build motorcycles anymore. He builds kind of furniture stuff now. Yeah. Real talented guy, but dude, him and I are back and forth. He's in the middle of building a shovel, and, and I'm in the middle of making some changes to mine, and I don't know. I don't know if two grown men in the world text as much as we do. <laughs> oh, dude, I don't know. I've got I've got the same relationship with a few friends. Yeah. <laughs> oh, with the same topics, probably. Yeah. You know what? I'll I'll go further. I'll say nothing turns men into children like motorcycles. It's <laughs> goddamn right. In like good ways and bad ways too, because I've seen like you know people get mad at each other over these bikes, and then there's obviously the like the excitement of a yeah. child. It's still there. Bickering. <laughs> oh yeah, I rode the XT up the hill yesterday. You know, when we went on the bike bike ride, and there were a group of jeepers and then some um, dirt bikers that came through. But I swear, it's like the old jeepers would get out of the jeep and like hobble over with a cane and look at the XT. Yeah, you know, and I'm not. That's not even a rare bike. Yeah. Those things are still everywhere. But it was so nostalgic, nostalgic for them. Oh man, yeah. In their childhood, that was the hottest race, the thing that changed racing. For sure, yeah. It's special. It's a community. I think I'm very lucky. Yeah. I'm I'm very happy to be a little bit of a part of it, too. You know, I the, the Harley scene, yeah, I, I like I like dirt bikes. I I like, and you, I like man. new dirt bikes. <laughs> I hear you, man. I, My, you. I have a 2020 Husky, the FE500, and that's the bike I want to be on all the time. Dude, every time I get some, like, momentum and money together, I'm like, I'm going to buy a new dirt bike. Like a newish, new to me. And I always buy a fucking dirty old, (laughs) clapped out, got to rebuild it vintage bike. It's a disease, man. (laughs) It's a fucking disease. And I'll get so frustrated in the garage. I'll be in there just swearing and mad and, and just, like, kicking things and I'll come inside to cool off, and what do I do is I get on the computer and I look at more old bikes. Yeah, I'm like, yep. what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> well, if you know, maybe I'll start this that that project's a little bit further along. I, exactly I can that one. <laughs> exactly, man. I have I have such a slow process because I'm jumping around, and I have such a small garage now where it's like if I want to change it up and work on something different, yeah. I gotta move five bikes and you know all this machinery out and put one another one on the lift it's just not efficient man i got i my home does not have a garage right now so i keep 
bikes down at the at the shop at the shop and they look pretty in there i like them being in there but um i've got this design laid out for a for a, an eventual garage nice in my yard and i cannot wait dude it I is a wait. game changer yeah. that was why i bought this house yeah. i told my realtor i have one requirement yeah. it's like it's it needs to have a garage yeah. and um <clears throat> i bought this place sight unseen when it mm-hmm. popped up on the market because it had like i could see the garage i saw the dimensions i was like Perfect. That'll do. Yeah, I have. I can live at it if I have to. Mm. Yeah, it was. It was a necessary thing. I realize you have a wife, and I. I didn't realize your son was so old. Well, not old, but like <laughs> he's gonna start high school. Yeah, yeah. On Tuesday. Well, as as of recording this on Tuesday, I'm pretty. I'm pretty excited, and he's going to a polytechnic school up there. That's gonna um, be awesome. What's his interest in right now? Where's he at? Manufacturing, actually. Um, but Perfect. The, you know, the freshman year, they 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 go through kind of an exploration of everything that school has to offer, and it's you know they have a wood shop, they have an automotive shop, oh my metal God. shop. I'm so jealous. Manufacturing like full on CNC machines. I want to go back to high school and Dude, do I that. I want to go there too. <laughs> <laughs> Can we we need to do that for grown ups? Yeah, I guess I, that would be like a another university <laughs> or polytech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. grown up polytech. Grown up yeah. polytech. Uh, that would be community college, I think. Yeah, I think I so. Guess. I think yeah. it does exist. It's, yeah, maybe it does. There are there are such things. <laughs> Probably ought to look into that. Anyway, go on. Um, but yeah, he's he's really digging in, and this this particular school has um uh one of the one of the manufacturing or the manufacturing head uh funny enough worked at Vanilla Bicycles too, and he introduced a whole bicycle frame building program. Oh my so God, have, get the fuck out. I think like eight frame jigs that kids oh get my to build God. a bicycle frame. You know, I think it's a senior year project, but if Weston, if my kid decides to go down the manufacturing road, that's going to be something. Like he's going to have a bike that he built for himself. That installs me with so much hope. Yeah. And that he's into that. Yeah. I'm Not, is, is he, does he like get into computer games? And like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, sure. like into that kind of and only recently, which I'm like, I'm just like tickled. I, I never wanted to be a, a pusher, you know, with, with the things that I know. Yeah. Because I didn't want to fuck it up for him. But like, can you imagine this? if he comes up and like comes into Ship John on a level, like manufacturing level with you? How yeah, cool I, of a story that would be? Like, I, that's a dream. <laughs> that fucking gives me goosebumps, yeah. man. Uh, but in this past like almost like six months or eight months. Um, I think Weston's really smart. Um, and he's kind of like prepping his mind for the exploration of that program, that high school. So he's just been asking me about things. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm like, all right, here we go. Everything I have is yours. Kid in a candy store. Yeah. Like I said, I never wanted to be a pusher. And you know, my dad always, always lent me his, he was, crafty man he can he can do anything is um he's still around i didn't yeah. want to say was like he wasn't except for good like he always played guitar and sorry dad i'm gonna tell this story but go on like, i was like dad i want to learn how to play guitar and he's like i taught myself you could teach your damn self <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said to me <laughs> i did and now i'm better than he is there you go <laughs> he was right then he was right to do so do you play? Do you play? Do you play with him? Like yeah, oh yeah. We sit around, jam around, drink whiskey, and and pass songs back and forth. It's fun. Oh yeah. man, that... yeah. Now we're we're close, and I don't make it over there. Is they're he, they're still back in Jersey, oh, and he's right. still 
working on boats. He's still an oyster boat captain. How old is he? The grumpiest boss you could ever imagine. I mean, just an oyster boat camp captain by nature sounds grumpy as fuck. Yeah, I think they call him asshole, Sep- As- asshole Captain Sam, I do believe. Captain Asshole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, he's still, he's in his, uh, I think, just about 75 and uh, still out there in the water. Does, does he have a relationship with your son, too? Oh, yeah. They're like, yeah. yeah he'll like be said, proud of him if he goes into something with his hands like that. <clears throat> yeah. We don't make it back east as much as I'd love to. I'm going to try to make it this year. They, they, my parents come out here once a year out to the West Coast and hang out. And um, it's our turn now, so we got to make it back over there. Yeah, dude. When I was 14, there was, there was just the only option for learning something like that was to work. No one really taught you. I, like I, guys would invite you in to. Uh, you know, if you worked in a shop or, or whatever, it would be kind of like, a, all right, kid, don't get too close. Yeah. You know, it was it was almost like they were holding karate secrets or something. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't an open book. See, I didn't have that. I, it was I, hard I to learn. Book. No, I didn't. I did not have that. And and it was it wasn't mean or cruel or anything. Yeah. It was just kind of expected to find your way. Yeah. It, it was just different. And if you fucked up, you got in trouble. That was yeah. the thing that. <laughs> yeah. That was the thing that bummed me out. It's like, <clears throat> and I did a lot of driving of, you know, <clears throat> farm implements and yeah. and you uh, agricultural jobs. Gotcha. gotcha. You do your best to fix something, but yeah. if you do it wrong, you're in trouble. Yeah. But I'm not gonna tell you how to do it. You gotta figure it out. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's not a good way to learn. I mean, that the funny thing I, w- I was going through like the the being around that kind of stuff, and it was never like. Top, straight up top but I, I was the information was available to me if I wanted and the similarities between um, it's a different shop now but my dad at the the company that he runs boats for they have a garage and way bigger because they're rebuilding uh, the last time I was there the oysters are caught with a dredge out there mm-hmm. and they build their own dredges <clears throat> Wow! and when a dredge breaks there's nobody. There's no dredge company you call up and and that's on you. you. You you bring it to the to the shop and you fix you. It's like this big chainmail basket with the teeth on it and just and every once in a while it's in salt water the chain gets rusted out. And sure. You got to sit there and so the last time I was there my dad was putting all new rings on the the dredge like rebuilding the the chainmail essentially big big chainmail. Um, but it's very similar to what we're talking about with motorcycles. Like, you you operate this machine, and and there's no there's no like. I mean, there are places you can take to fix a an old Harley, but if you got the money, <laughs> that's the thing, man. It's and I get why it got. You know, I want my friends who are trying to do the shop life. I want them to make money. Yeah, that's what they have to charge to make. Oh yeah, anything with the overhead of and as you know, a space, <laughs> the tools involved and then also paying someone to work there yeah. it's like that and, hourly is <clears throat> fucking steep and the knowledge i mean the you know, knowledge. people people with so many skilled crafts like forget that somebody put a lot of time in whether it's a woodworker or a, or a motorcycle mechanic or clothing or photo- photography you know yeah 
there's a lot of time that went into even getting to the point of being able to ask you for money for your craft, you know. And that and <clears throat> there's a lot of time that people can't calculate that it takes to fix one of these things. Yeah. Especially on the older bikes cuz you never know what you're getting into. Yeah. For example, the other day, I had to change the rear tire on my shovel head. I'm like, "All right, well, I got this tire off. I'm going to go ahead and like true up the wheel." Been a couple of years. Yeah. I ride it like a fucking dirt bike in the desert. The thing's practically square. So, you know, I put it up on the tree stand and I start trying to turn some of these spokes. And, you know, I did my best with stainless and put everything on there that I thought I could, like, manipulate the spokes when I when I needed to. But that was so fucking locked up. There's 40 spokes on one of those. Mm. I had to PB blast and heat every single nipple for two days yeah. to get them to budge just to a point where I could then start truing the wheel again, yeah. you know, and that's, that kind of thing. Like somebody, you would think, ah, it'd take me like a couple hours to true this thing up. Yeah. No, it took me a couple of days. Yeah. And that's just one example of, of how something very simple yeah. goes every Un- time you try and do it. Unexpected forks in the road, you know. And then if I were going to lace that up again, and it's been a long time since I put that wheel together but i remember the thing about that was those are honda rims there is one model of honda that i found that was a 19 inch rim with 40 spokes now the nipple angle is off on those uh yeah it took fucking forever to figure out the right spokes to get a mid-star laced up to that haunt because no one as far as i know no one's ever done it before yeah and um I thought, well, I'll just order some new spokes and cut this off. And then I was like, I never wrote down what I ended up going with. <laughs> and I remember this taking weeks to redo. So I'm like, I'm just going to take the time and heat every one of these fucking nipples up. Yeah. Till the end. <laughs> that's, I guess that's choppers, you know? Yeah. And, you know, always have, always has been. Always has you know? been. It's, it's really, dude, it's so cool to see a fucking beautifully crafted, shiny, built chopper I, I love those bikes but Dude, did you see the one max just finished did for you? virginia city roundup i Was posted a picture yes. yeah yeah oh my god yeah. and the close-ups on that thing there's so much clear on it it looks it looks like a ruby yeah it's fucking crazy yeah. That was a beautiful looking bike. Oh, I'm man. Glad to stumble upon that photo. But yes, I didn't mean to interrupt. It's so special to yeah. see those things. I mean, like, that's that's a, like, that, that's a perfect example. That thing is a work of art. It's a painting. Like, it, it, it's, it's a complete and utter work of art. It's a three dimensional painting. But so is your bike. That's, like, the point I'm trying to make. Like, it's, it's bolted together fucking <laughs> madness, and that's so beautiful. My, my, just... my aesthetic is, is like, and I've, I've made a couple shiny bikes, but one thing I know, I'm not good at painting and I don't, I don't have the patience for it. It takes a very patient person to, to paint. And none of the environments that I've been in have been real conducive to being able to paint effectively. Yeah. You won't, you don't want to paint. I really don't. And, uh, and so I have so much respect for the guys that do painting, especially on that level, yeah. you know? Um, but I really like. I like the geometry in motorcycles. I like shaping the bike and looking at the space and the line. That's the part that like my real appreciation comes from. And and that, that to me is, 
it's structural you know the structural side of building a motorcycle i i really love and and how those components fit together but uh i also love looking at a bike that's so well used and loved and you see the wear marks where your knees are going through the paint and that that kind of thing is just so beautiful to me i am fully with you on that and then people come up to my shit and they're like why don't you fix that seat and i'm like do you know how long it took me to wear through that leather with my ass? <laughs> that was a brand new seat when I first made it. Yeah. I'm like, now it's perfect. Mm. There will come a point where, of course, you have to fix it when it just shreds totally. Yeah, but it's just like the shirt you're wearing or whatever, where it shows a yeah. witness of the life that it's had. Yeah. I think that's very beautiful. Yeah, patch patches, whether it's, you know, even, even if, like, you, that, that you don't have to worry about it much here, but even if you were your knee wearing through the paint on the tank or whatever, you had a fear of it rusting. Rust. And you just threw threw a little patch of paint on there, that yep. kind of shit. Whatever. Yep. You know, patching your seat, like keep that le- that seat together and just fix that area. And- well, I've got so many fond memories of that leather. Yeah. That leather was a couch on the side of the road no next shit. next to the gas station by my shop in Seattle when we were I was key my buddy Keo was in the car and we pulled up the light was red and I saw this white leather couch like abandoned yeah. and I was like oh my god that's my seat <laughs> and I throw the car in park and I pull the knife out of my glove compartment Keo's like what the fuck are you doing and I jump out of the car and I go over and I just stab a cushion and I cut like the top half of the cushion out and just yeah. jump back in the car and drove away and that's the leather on that bike and i don't have any more of that leather so when i repair it like i've got to find another substitute for that again who's that i think it's eric pulling up on eric just of, pull up some kind of dirt bag what's he got there all right did you ride over here with a cup of jar of coffee yes i did <laughs> that well, oh because you got that recluse clutch yeah. you don't even need to shift i never rode one of those the recluse I'm insulted you didn't bring Mike and I a cup of coffee. I don't know how you would have carried it, but it would have been funny. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, Good morning. No, no. Um, I have your cell phone over here. Yeah. I put it on the charger. Oh, thanks. You're a sweetheart. It looked very busy, so somebody's trying to get a hold of you. You have a nice excuse. I wouldn't doubt it. Now, we were just talking about the beauty of the bike that's falling apart because of its well-used and loved Yes. You know, you know what? Wait, look, let me stop this. Well, because the thing is, locally is like the attitudes like go back to LA, yeah. which I actually I say that a lot now. Yeah. Like I feel like that, but I um, it's not entirely fair, you know. <laughs> so Elliot, who understands that, made these stickers to kind of piss off the Yucca Valley people who gotcha. think that way. <laughs> <laughs> I see, I see. You know, it's all, it all takes a little bit of patience up here. We're experiencing these growing pains that no one anticipated. Yeah. And on a weekend, it's like, it's like Sunset Boulevard comes all the way down here. Yeah. It's, it's just constant. It's pretty wild, man. And what, like up here over over to Pappy's? And yeah. yeah, yeah, even yeah. Yucca Valley, you know, the traffic on 62 and um, up here. And, and there's a lot of, 
there's a lot of confusion that happens on the road because you know if you drive from here to pioneer town uh you think you're an open desert yeah right like there's no one around it's a two-lane road yeah. i can just pull over and take a picture or just stop in the middle of the road yeah and it's not it that's it, a throughway yeah. it's a major thoroughfare yeah. and so people do these dangerous things on the road around corners or in a dip and and yeah those dips are they're you low can't see, you can't yeah. see in them yeah. and people will stop in the bottom of those Dude. to do a yeah. photo shoot or whatever and i'm like uh-uh. You guys don't understand. There's no houses here because this is preserved land, but you're in the middle of a neighborhood. Yeah. And like, there's cars that come through here at 70 miles an hour. Jesus. You're going to kill someone. Yeah. And so there's, there's just a lot of confusion and, uh, it gets, it gets old feeling like you're going to get hit. All Like I, I almost, dude, I went, I went off the road into the desert on my shovel head at like 65 miles an hour. A couple, this couple months ago. Yeah. But there was a guy, when I was leaving the house, he, he drove by my house, like super slow, just kind of looking around, like I knew he was looking for something. And I was like, that's going to be a problem. I'll wait 10 minutes until yeah. he gets further down the road. So I shut my bike off, and then I take off, and I catch him down right after those whoops, and he's still just barely putting, looking around. Yeah. And he starts pulling over to the right side of the road. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to pull over and you know take a picture or whatever he's going to yeah. do. And I go to pass him, but then he sees a driveway on the left side of the road, uh, doesn't yeah. see me, <clears throat> and really sharply turns his car yeah. into the other lane. And I fucking went off the highway at 65 miles an hour, full no, tank wait. slap yeah. on my chopper, just like conk, conk, bouncing down the desert, pulled it back onto the road, adrenaline spike. I mean, I am like, I'm just happy to be alive. I couldn't yeah. believe it. And my first impulse was to go back there and slash his tires. Yeah. You know, (laughs) but then I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to look back. That guy had to have seen that he drove a motorcyclist off the road. Yeah. Let him live with that. I'm going to let him fucking live with that. I hope that that sunk in. But it it took me the length of a football field to get back on the road. Yeah. On that fucking thing. Shot you out there pretty far. Dude, it was, I mean, I. I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit. That was maybe a year ago. That would have taken me out. Yeah. But I've been riding a lot of, you know, aggressive desert terrain. Some of it on my shovel head. And I fucking rode it out somehow. Yeah. You had to, you get the, the training for it. <laughs> you got to use, utilize your hard work. Of yeah. Practice. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's so. why my shovel head is kind of, the wheels are off of it. And I am chewing my wheels back up because in doing that i think i squared them off yeah but anyway that's that's part of the confusion that's happening out here similar thing happened to my buddy steve and i well you know steve dewey yeah we were riding out by his land i'd ridden out to his house he lives in john day oregon it's like five six hours from where i live yeah nick my my wife did a movie out there oh right on with uh that girl um photographer uh Oh, sorry. Anyway, go on. Yes, I know John Day. It's nice, nice, really beautiful land out there. So Steve was showing me like the mountains he grew up going to, and we're cruising back, and <clears throat> this truck is in front of us. <clears throat> excuse me, um, and pulls over to the right. Yeah, and almost exactly the same thing. No turn signal, just goes to make a left. And, yeah. you know, Steve and I were going around him because he had pulled, like, slowed down and pulled over to the right. We're yeah. like, oh, we, you know. Let us pass. Yeah. Thank you. 
um, and dude, my shovel was full sideways. Like, Shit. did you lock up the brakes or did you I, go around? Actually? I like tap tap locked them. You yeah. know, I didn't want to fully slide out, but in one of those, I mean, I thought I was going to the side of this thing, so I was doing the best I could inside of this truck. And fuck, like he was. <laughs> He, whoever's driving the truck was kind of sideways because they were making that turn and I was parallel with them. Oh, jeez. And then <laughs> pulled it back the other way and and shot out of there because I guess they had seen me. Or they Steve was in front of me, so they saw him and finally stopped. Stopped. So they gave yeah. you a little gap? I Yeah, I mean like a foot on the left side because they were already... Same. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, thankfully stayed on the on the, the road, but that stayed shit, on the that pavement. was scary, man. That is That happens so fast yet so slow at the same time yeah. it's very very strange yeah. i knew what was happening immediately yeah. it was funny because when you pulled over to the right and i went to pass and then i i just saw it yeah and felt it and i was like here we go yeah you know the thing that gets you is the left turn yeah you know this is a left turn from the back it's not a head-on left turn but he's still turning left yeah and i it's just i was like here we go another fucking left turn yeah yeah i got to the i got to the bar I just ordered a drink and I sat down and I was just like calming myself down because I was yeah. still like kind of shaking. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at my fucking bike and <clears throat> I remember I'd, I had a drink and then I went over and I like grabbed my handlebars, did the old knees on the tire trick and like felt it. And I've, I've got this massive clank in the front end now. Yeah, because something that I, I hit, you know, the neck, the neck's not bent, but could have been a lot worse. Yeah could have been a lot worse yeah glad you made it out of that, that yeah. little wild ride and those pickles though on the weekend are like kind of common yeah because because of, of all that going on yeah people people sightseeing in the, in the neighborhood yeah i mean from here I, I i mean there's blm land kind of up the up the mountain yeah on both is? sides yeah. of us yeah up, so. up there and down there so they're treating this if effectively like they're out there yeah looking at pretty landscape like the national park yeah they they kind of treat this like what you would treat driving through a national park yeah that's that's like a road that people do no less than 65 miles an hour on, like a real highway yeah um but it doesn't look like it yeah no it doesn't and and it's remote enough there's no cars around they think they've entered into like a empty landscape yeah but then you come down here and you realize there's a whole neighborhood like yeah. there's community yeah i kind of thought i i'd been up, up here uh to see you and eric before and i i like to when i go somewhere again i like to not use a map you know right just just like see if i can navigate this yeah and i got kind of the, the, to that point you were talking about and i was like did i fucking go too far i forgot there was like space between pioneer, pioneer town and, and this part of uh, where we're at and you know, finally I made it to the, one of the high points and I was like, oh, I see houses yeah. out there. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is, it's really interesting here and we're, we're so fortunate that this neighborhood exists and Pipes Canyon exists, but all that on that side, you noticed last night when we were hanging out, Yeah. it's dark, right? There's no lights on the hillside. That's private land okay. that was, I guess, donated or bought into a land trust okay. that you can't it's it's like a national park i mean there's a ranger station up there and there's a ranger that lives up there there's Mm -hmm. a couple of them and um there's i don't know how many thousands of acres 
that exists, but it's just there to keep people off of it from building on it uh, or developing yeah. it. Yeah. It's not a national park yet. I think it was, I think Obama might have made it a monument. Okay. I don't know where they're at with that, but uh, it confuses people to think that they're now in somewhere that they're not. Yeah. Like, this is still a neighborhood, but it, it feels very different. Yeah. Yeah. Drive safe, peoples. Drive safe. <laughs> Actually, I kind of want to make a commercial that like demonstrates all the things not to do when you're yeah. coming out to the desert. I think it'd be a really funny yeah. little poke. Yeah, I, I mean, those dips, uh, they're no joke. Like we were, we were talking about a minute ago, but you cannot see a car at the bottom of it. No. Um, Especially so, this one right here. Yeah. Before, even after all that, uh-huh. and before you get to the 90, yeah. I was riding my bike to Pappy's one night and there was a fucking longhorn cow <laughs> standing in the middle of the road in the bottom of one of those dips. Yeah. Another thing, you know, it was like, holy shit. I actually got home and I called, I think I called Eric and I was like, hey, if you're coming to the bar, like don't hit the fucking cow standing in the middle of the road because I almost did. Oh man. Yeah, it's kind of zany. Dude, this is, a, this is a total 90 degree turn here. But when you were posting those pictures with Brian Shima, oh, yeah. looking at, I just could not even put it together. <laughs> and that is, is, is your relationship with Shima now like you guys are guitar dudes or yeah, is he a yeah, guitar we, builder? I've known him since, you know, the maybe, maybe or maybe late nineties, you know, just from skating back in the day. Yeah. I've never and, met him. Oh, really? We've never crossed paths in gotcha. all the years. I, I've been at some of the same events, but we've never met. Yeah. But he's one of my favorite fucking skaters. Oh, dude, he's he was fucking amazing. Like, hands down. Me too. Yeah. Like, not probably my favorite. Just a beast. Yeah. So, yeah, we kind of re... So, before I moved to Portland, I was living with my wife in a Volkswagen van. Okay. It, we were just traveling the country, zigging back and forth and up and down, and uh, everything we owned was in the van. Living the dream. The 79 Type 2 bus. Uh-huh. The last year before they changed the van again. Um, and I bought it off this old German mechanic in Philly that just went through that motor, and it was the strongest Volkswagen motor that I'd ever... Dialed it. Yeah. It was it was the, the pancake, which a lot of people hate, but man, like I, I didn't have problems going up mountains in it. Like, it had enough... That's saying something. Get up and go. Um, anyhow, we, we, you know, we were traveling. We didn't have any money. We were, like, putting some stuff on credit cards. I was, like, busking on the street to get dinner some nights and eating a lot of, like, three for five Domino's pizzas, you know, or five, 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 I think they called that. Mm-hmm. Know, we mm-hmm. eat that all the time. Yeah. Um, and at a certain point, we made it out to California, and I knew a bunch of people who worked at Woodward. Yeah. And I was, we were out of money, like dead broke. And I called my buddy Richie, um, guy I knew from New York, and I was like, You guys hiring for anything? And he's like, Dude, we need a bike mechanic. And I was like, I, I can do that. I'll I've, figure it out. I've been riding bicycles for a long time, and uh, I can handle that. <clears throat> and then it turned out they also needed somebody because Woodward is like a skate camp and a gymnast camp. Mm-hmm. They needed somebody to, like, run the shop 
where they sell all, all the leotards and, and gym equipment. Merch. Merch. Yeah. Um, so I was the, so they hired us. Um, this is the Woodward in Tatchby, California. Oh, you're, this is the Woodward in California. I thought yeah. you were talking about the one in, in Pennsylvania. No, no, this is out west. Um, I never went to Woodward <clears throat> West. Yeah. It's okay. Cool. So so you made it out here and you got jobs. Yeah, we're out of Woodward money west. and we just, they, they have like an old, uh, at a, at a certain point, that land was a resort. So there's this hotel on top of the hill outside of the park where all the staff lives. Mm-hmm. So, so we were getting not not a lot of money, enough like weekly pay, enough to survive, getting fed every day, and getting yeah. put up in this in this hotel. So we just kind of compiled a bunch of money. Um, yeah, you have no expenses when you're yeah, no, like yeah, none. It's nice. Like we go to town and get a beer every once in a while. But even that, they I think they had. Uh, like a weekly party for the staff because in that hotel there was a bar. Perfect. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it wasn't open every night, probably by design. But uh-huh. anyhow, long long story short, uh, kind of re-met Shima when he came there to do a like guest appearance, hang out with the kids or whatever. And we, I had my guitar with me. I think he had a guitar. He had a guitar with him. We just sat there and under a tree and played past songs back and forth and kind of re rekindled a little friendship and uh been been buds ever since that's awesome touch, yeah that's awesome yeah. he's not uh he hasn't skated in a long time either no he? no he was doing like those big ramp things yeah the mega and, ramp yeah and broke both of his feet like i think he shattered like his heel or it's something. hard to come back from yeah. a heel heel break yeah and uh so he's done done yeah yeah, I think he. I think he was saying that he skates on his birthday each year. Okay, <laughs> that's uh, pretty cool. <clears throat> but yeah, he was up there, uh, and we we've played like shows together in Oakland, and them they have a band called Skookum Brothers. They're just sweet dudes. All it's four of them, and there's the sweetest guys. All four of them, and just love playing music. You know that when when there's like not really. I mean, I'm not speaking for them to say that they're not after anything beyond what they do, but you could just tell that they thoroughly enjoy playing with each other. Love of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I've I've uh, used to have a, well, still do, but a shitty country band called Denver, and they'd come up there and play. We'd come down to Oakland and play together. And... Dude, it was so nostalgic to see that. It's It's interesting when worlds collide. Yeah, yeah. Because that was such a small, and we were talking about it earlier, the community. Yeah. That was probably the greatest period of development in my life yeah. was meeting that community and developing that community together. Oh, and yeah. for those of you who don't know, we're not talking about skateboarding. This was in the this was in the mid to late nineties, early rollerblading days yep. as kids. And, you know, that was like a, a kind of a short lived time but it was so strong and effective to find a community back then yeah and and it was uh it taught me a lot oh me too dude it taught me a lot about how to be a part of something and and just to do something kind of genuine for the love of it yeah because when you're involved in something like that you're like not a popular it's not a popular thing to do and that (laughs) that that made everybody that that much stronger of a community too yeah it really did when you're kind of hated to do something um it really makes you stronger as a group yeah and not that we i had anything to prove or anything like that it was just like some of the best group of guys that came together to do something purely for the passion of it yeah 
no profit, no, no fucking no money in it. <laughs> it was just how far can we take this thing that no one else wants? Yeah, it was really, it was really strong. I miss that so much because it feels like everything I'm involved with now has like this weight of how you do it and the etiquette of what's cool and you know and i'm not saying you shouldn't think about those things it's it's hard not to at this point Mm -hmm. especially when you have a brand or a label and and like this collaboration you want to make something that's on point for every everyone but uh back then it was it was pure art man yep nothing had been done we were making up tricks we were like never seen anything like this before uh no that that was that was a beautiful time to be a part of something like that. And I think you hit the nail on the head by, by expressing that, you know, the, the, the hatred we all had to deal with from from, from BMXers and skateboarders. And I, I, I mean, I had, I always had like friends in the skateboard world. Me too. Um, Yeah. And matter of fact, still do. The skateboarder Ricciola said I was the only rollerblader allowed at FDR skate park in in Philly. That's funny. (laughs) I had, um, when I was living in the Northwest, it's funny, it, it goes a long time back, but when I was a kid and we got our first skate park close to my house, yeah. which was in Salina, Kansas, I was probably like 14 at that time. Gotcha. Tiny little metal park on yeah. a concrete slab. Like, But I'd always bring my skateboard and my rollerblades to the yeah. park and the older skateboard dudes were, they always called me blader skater, you know, because yeah. I'd jump around a lot. Yeah. And, and then you know we we all started out playing hockey you know in a in, in grade school on flat ground mm-hmm. but a lot of us skateboarded too and it was like i wonder what we can do on these things we had no influence there was no like magazines there were no videos there were no nothing and then i remember the first time we thought about like i wonder if you can like slide on these like you know like you would board slide or yeah. whatever and yeah. we're trying to figure that out and We've figured out wacky ways of doing it, but we thought we were the first ones. Yeah. Dude, I did too. You know, we thought we were the first <laughs> ones to do this. And we're like, dude, yeah. we're really on to something yeah. here. And it goes from like this this hockey aspect, which was fun and, you know, utilized a concrete slab yeah. to like trying to jump over the net. Yeah. And, and it just kind of progressed. And then, I mean, that went on for probably like a year of fun before we found a magazine yeah. It showed pictures of people doing this shit yeah. in California, like everything we had figured out. And we're <laughs> <Yeah>. like, what? <laughs> it's hilarious how similar my my introduction to that is. It's like I'm in Dividing Creek, New Jersey. At the time, Port Norris, New Jersey, which doesn't even have sidewalks. Yeah. Like, so we'd, we'd, we'd have these, we had a slider bar, like a little PVC slider bar and a launch ramp for skateboarding. You know, and my brother was into it, and then my sister went to Florida and brought back this pair of rollerblades that it was like pre-buckles, you know, the old lace up, full lace up. Yeah, yeah. They were like purple and gray rollerblade lightnings. Had to be, yeah. And uh, and same thing. I like put them on, and there we had a little launch ramp for skateboards. Yeah, and I was quarter like, pipe. Jump off this thing. Yeah, <clears throat> and like busted my ass trying to like put it on the little little slider bar thing yeah 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 same and then this is like pre hoax too like or hoax like uh so you had no idea oh what was no, out there no yeah. idea yeah and then shortly thereafter kind of the kind of the exact same story somehow i heard that other people were doing this yeah 
and it was fun. And then the community built and got stronger. Yeah. That's what got me out of my small town. Like, dude, if I didn't do that, yeah, I same. might be like, it's sad where I grew <laughs> up, like fucking drugs are rampant and, and not everybody like, you know, um, but I wonder what my life would have been like. I don't think I, I would have left. Yeah. No, I'd no, still I, be there probably running a grain silo or something. Yeah. yeah. Same I'd, shit, I'd man. I'd be working in the oyster boats. Not that that's a bad job, but yeah. It was my int- my first introduction to a community yeah. and to culture and to older kids yeah. where it's like, and it was also, honestly, it was the skateboard community. And this was before it had like a bad reputation, yeah. but, um, the older kids in my neighborhood had built a fucking badass spine ramp. Gotcha. You know, we, it was really well built at the Crables farm in a barn. It was these skateboarders, yeah. you know, but they were starting to pick up on this new thing with these rollerblades and i bought brought them over and they were like you know showing me how to maybe adopt the skateboard stuff into what i was doing and, yeah. and then they started doing it yeah. a little bit it didn't last that long uh for them but they were these older kids showing me how to do something yeah. and it was really powerful and it, it's just stuck with me all these years and anyway when you were talking about you know the guy in philly letting you be the only rollerblader to go in the park and when i was living in seattle i was skateboarding way more because we had a we had a um six foot mini ramp at work gotcha. that was really fun and really poppy and you know we'd take skate breaks and just jump on skateboards and occasionally i'd put on my rollerblades and and you know have some fun like yeah. it's a park <clears throat> like i could do a lot on a park the skateboarder there his name was bobcat he's this old uh you know concrete park builder awesome dude but he invited me to one of their annual like concrete campout skate events. Yeah. You know, he's like, <laughs> you should come. He's like, bring your skates and make sure you put them on. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I don't want to. I was really scared. Yeah. I was like really scared to go. Like, I'm glad I did it. And we were talking last night about like the, the weird calcium buildups in our hips. And oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> Oh my god! Like yeah, my, my butt bones have all that shit going on from just just crashing. It like, catches up. Yeah. Oh yeah. It really does, and it doesn't take much for me to bump my elbow or bump my hip, and just an immediate swelling. Yeah. Will happen, <laughs> like fluid. One thing I'm 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 pretty happy with is like if I hit my shin on something, it does not phase me. Dude, look at this. <laughs> you got those? <clears throat> oh, dude. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Look, that's yeah. Mine's like fucking. Oh yeah, it's like. <laughs> but like now that there's no pain, I think the nerves are all so far gone. If I think I hit my, I'm yeah. like, ow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a shinjury is like just kind of no big deal. That's funny. Uh, but man, yeah, it's it's and it's so funny to to like meet people. Like I've been I've been a part of a lot of different communities. Um, since then, like meeting, like meeting all the great people I know up in Portland throughout my years there, and it'll always come up, and people like find a video of me skating on the internet and like share it around, and yeah, yeah. like the the residual leftover thing from the skateboarding rollerblading kind of battle is still it's still in there, but like they'll start with a laugh. You know, like, you yeah. fuck rollerblade, and yeah, it's yeah, funny, yeah. check this out. And then they're watching the video, and they're like, it's kind of fucking rad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, well, I don't I don't think people have, they haven't been, you know, they're kind of programmed oh, yeah. to see it one way, which yeah. I totally understand. I, 
I mean, I let, let's face it. Like, I got pretty used to people calling me a faggot for years. Yeah. You know, it's like I don't that mean was, to, that was the norm back. Then. Yeah, that was just the norm, and it, it kind of while while they were getting programmed one way, it kind of deprogrammed me to really care about much. Yeah. You know, I didn't really have have much to prove, and uh, I know how people saw me, yeah. and. Uh, I looked at it this way, and I still look at things this way. It's like, I don't want to get in the way of your fun. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't want to stop anybody from doing what they do or having fun, but please don't get in the way of me doing mine. Yeah. You know, whatever that is. Yeah. And you're welcome to think or talk however you want to, but just don't, don't be an asshole. You know, and that goes that that like mindset of 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 just let people be the people who they are just rings so true in so many aspects of life these days. Like, you know, just nothing anybody else is doing unless they're being a complete prick is affecting your life in any way. Yeah. You know, so I saw so much, so much sad behavior when that thing was at its worst. Yeah. Like, I I just never wanted to act that way. And I don't want to, I'm not talking shit on the skateboard community because that's also like, I really love that community. And and I, it's the reason I, it's part of a community I was with too, you know, like you said, and you know, snow sports were a huge part of my life. To me, there was a trick vocabulary that I took from snowboarding and could put into this thing. And, and that was my angle. It didn't really excite me to session a rail. Yeah. Like, but to skate park and it felt like snowboarding at mm-hmm. times, which was which was really special. Yeah, I could see that. You know, it, but but there was there was a community that really had a lot of bad behavior that I watched, and you know, I just never wanted to do that to anyone. Yeah, I remember, it's, dude. There was time like these were early early days. I'm not going to name names or anything, but this was an ASR. It was still in San Diego. I don't know if ASR is in San Diego anymore. I was still in high school. Gotcha. But I was lucky to be in a position where I was getting to, you know, fly around the country and in the world, some cases, to go see places and skate as a kid. We were yeah. children. Yeah. We acted stupid. Oh, yeah. You know, we didn't know what was what. Yeah. And we were being introduced to this, like, we were being compared to this sport, which was skateboarding, that had years of development. Yeah. And these were professionals. And we were kind of taking a piece of the pie from them. Yeah. And yeah. we didn't understand it. And, uh, you know, so there's bad behavior on both sides. But I remember that at one of the ASRs when I was still in high school, it was a huge fight that broke out at one of our, like, after parties. Mm. And, like, some skateboarders wanted to beat us up. And I remember one guy was, like, spit on me and then threw a trash can through the window at the party. And I, I'm a kid. Yeah. I mean, this was a grown-ass man. No. And I was like, okay, I never want to see things that way. But at the same time, now I get a little bit older. I, I see for that, like, see on that side, there was an establishment there and there was an industry there that we were taking a chunk of. That's, that can't be ignored. It can't sure. be ignored. Yeah. And it wasn't yeah. the same thing. Yeah. And I, when I got a little older, you remember the, the, the NIS yeah. tour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I don't know if NIS turned into ASA, but ASA went a lot further than NIS ever did. Gotcha. When did it, I don't remember. I, I, I don't, I get those confused because, they all they all look the same, <laughs> but I remember a skateboarder. I heard a skateboarder and BMX are talking. They didn't know I was there, but they were talking about how to get rollerblading out of it. You know, yeah. and, and I it dawned on me then. I was like, oh, this is actually they have a point. 
because we're like we're a big piece of the pie yeah and we're just walking into this yeah it's just too new yeah for sure and it, it kind of it didn't excuse the behavior but it, it explained a lot to me yeah. about why we were seen the way that we were yeah yeah i mean you can't <clears throat> as as our our friends who grew up on in the skateboard world and and people who used to rollerblade as kids um grow up there's a lot of camaraderie in um understanding that we were all just having fun yeah and it's it's cool to see that and have those talks like i was saying earlier it'll be the first the first inclination is the laughter and then they're like that's rad that you were doing something to have fun yeah you know and yeah and there was a point i was trying to make from there um i lost my train of thought the fun for the fun community yeah the um i think i think what all of us real and this goes along with what you're saying what all of us realize now is that back then um and this happens in communities in general you know it's like a vacuum you know bubble where somebody starts this way of feeling about a certain thing within a community and it snowballs and yeah. if, if you're the skateboarder back then who's like no nah, i like rollerbladers you like you're you're then an outcast because it's so it's such the norm yeah um to have that hatred you know um, I, I feel very lucky to have been on the other side of that because yeah. i think it expanded my my worldview yeah. a little bit to see like to have empathy for someone who's seen differently yeah you know and and not to get into political conversation but i think we need more of that these days dude we sure fucking do i think and and i it, that shaped me so early on to be someone disliked or thought of differently and treated poorly because I wasn't in a popular world. Yeah. I feel like I have a lot more patience and understanding for people. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be, you know, and it means a lot more. And I'm in a position now, I think with the, the motorcycle community is really respected for the most part. I think so you know, and what we're doing and yeah. the way we're treating it. And I think there was a lot of crossover because you go very deep in these esoteric worlds mm-hmm. where it's an obsession. Yeah. You know, it's this obsession that we suffer from. And it when it translates into bikes, whether it's the skateboard community or BMX, rollerblading, whatever those extreme sports were at the time, whatever you call them, action sports, uh, you just transfer the obsession over. But I have a lot of, I have a lot of patience for people coming in now that don't fit into the popular group. And I'm glad that I do. Yeah. I'm, glad, yeah. I'm glad that I can see it that way. But at the same time, I also have a lot more understanding for the etiquette involved. Because just as we came in to the action sports world and took a piece of that industry and that pie, in my opinion, too quickly. Yeah. Like it was, we were... It, was right. it, 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 it happened it so fast. Up, yeah. You look at a graph. Because we were a carnival act, you know, we attracted yeah. a crowd, but we we hadn't put the years of development into no, this sport, no. and we didn't have we didn't have the history behind it, and we came in really hot, and it was like we were taking a piece of the pie, and and now when I see people come into the chopper world, and they come in really hot and just kind of announce themselves like, yeah. like I'm a road dog, yeah. and I wear the clothes, and I, and these are people who aren't building bikes, you know, they aren't they're buying them, yeah. And that's not great etiquette. Kind of be aware of that because there's a community, there's like a group that developed this through a lot of hard work. 
and you're just kind of jumping on board right now yeah. because it's something and you may not stick around yeah. because there might be something else that you can afford to jump on board with and that that's me i'm like stick around please do but just be aware that like tread lightly yeah respect those guys that came before you yeah like that's good etiquette and we for didn't sure. we didn't do that when we were coming into that community no, yeah for sure that's a good point so i i like I'm, I'm glad I, I could see it the way that it was now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good outlook looking back in hindsight, and and that takeaway, that like respectful takeaway, is, is it's the only way to be. I'm glad that I have that that residual effect too. Like very similar to what you were saying. Like it it left me in a place of understanding any like even like now there's this the scooters and i think everybody hates them you know yeah uh but i, that, I don't like that sucks that they have to put up with that yeah and and i i'm like that you know i might have had a thought like that looks kind of weird but none no part of me was like they shouldn't fucking be here yeah you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're just they're out there having fun you know yeah imagine looking imagine being in like a because you mentioned like an adult and uh, you were, you were a high school kid at the time. Imagine being an, an adult and like, if we still had that in us or, or have that in us to like have hatred toward another, imagine being an adult and looking at a kid having fun and being like, fuck, fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can't, I'm going to, I'm going to fuck up your fun, dude. <laughs> That's so that, poisonous. Yeah. How can you, how can you get that out of yourself? I just don't understand it. I don't know. I, there was a lot of social programming yeah. that went into that. And, and I watched that unfold. There were, there were plenty of, of awesome respected skateboarders that were good to us. Oh yeah. When I was a kid, sure. I remember this one afternoon we we're doing like a uh, i can't remember if this was at woodward or lake owen i think it was at lake owen but annie mcdonald was there and we were doing like the the weekend demo yeah. i was skating the the vert ramp with him and i'm not a vert skater but i really enjoyed enjoyed it having that ramp available when yeah. i did and and learning how to do my trick vocabulary on vert was really it was a fun transition yeah I never made it there. Well, I had a ramp there half the summer to play with. And it was, it was something that was always open. There wasn't a lot of people who would skate it. Mm -hmm. But anyway, there was one of the uh, BMXers. I don't remember who was, who was there, but then Annie McDonald and myself were up there and I was just kind of hanging back and I'd drop in when people were taking a break and do a couple tricks and, you know, then pop back out and leave it open. I was trying to like, just give them the ramp to do their thing. And every time I'd come up on deck, I'd go to the back wall and just kind of like hang out on the railing. And I wasn't trying to snake a run, you know. Of course. And uh, anyway, Andy was doing his thing and making it look awesome. And then he popped up on deck and he came over by me. He just didn't do anything, didn't say anything, just gave me knuckles. There it is. You know, just like like yeah. that. I don't even think there was a word spoken. But I remember that moment, and I, I I was trying to be in his head a little bit, and I think he was trying to tell me, hey, man, it's okay. Come on. Yeah. Join it. Yeah, for sure. And that meant a lot. Of course. You of know, course. that meant that meant a lot yeah. to me. And somebody of his caliber, he'd, he'd, he'd at that point been doing that for a long time. A long time. And yeah. grown into adulthood. And I don't, I don't know if he ever had the thoughts um, of, of, call it hatred toward rollerbladers, but... That's that goes back into like you know he was 
at that point a grown ass man and, and it was a business to him too. Yeah. Oh yeah. At this point. Oh, yeah. You know, his livelihood was based yeah. off of it. Yeah. And uh he's had that understanding that you're there having fun I mean, business aside, having fun on a on a with wheels underneath you. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. We all had wheels under us. Yes. And yeah. we we're like flying through the air and go sliding down things and, and just things trying and... <laughs> to look at things differently. Yeah. You know, that yeah. that's what really excited me is like, all right, how do I look at this ramp differently or this set of stairs differently and do something new? Yeah. You know, yeah. and and uh, that was, that it's was my adventure with it, too. Yeah. And I was never one of those skaters that like trained, you know, oh, and yeah. and contests destroyed me. I always did so terrible at contests because I was I was like a session skater. I loved sessions and it wasn't till much later after I stopped skating that this session contest contest format started to happen you know where you're all out there together that's what i love so much and you're feeding off of each other but there was this different type of skater i think that did really well in the early days of the of the asa and and extreme games where they're out there by themselves and they have this routine yeah that they got really good at this trick trick list and it's almost like a gymnastics routine on the yeah, floor. Yeah. You know, they train for this, and I could just, I could just never really skate that way. Yeah, no, I was, I was, I'm right with you on that. I was not in that boat. I was mostly a street skater. Yeah. And and then I fell in love with like concrete parks, and carving and bowls yeah. and stuff like that. But the competition thing, like, I got sent to a few uh, throughout the years, and I would, I would just not enter. Yeah, <laughs> it was what was your what what was like your your tricks that you loved doing there on as far as street skating goes? What was your go tos? Uh, I got real into like far f- uh, torques, front torques, that kind of stuff, yeah. and and like really at the end of when I was doing it, I liked figuring out ways to like do the cess slide on yeah, like I was like sliding up onto rails off of off of things, and um, that was a very creative time. Yeah. Yeah, that sure. was when it, like I said, that's when everybody was looking at things a little bit yeah. differently. Yeah. How can I, how can I do something? How can I use something else? Yeah. No, that, and that's all I looked for. Like, and once we, we all made that switch, like it was because prior to that, it's like that, that rail, at least for streets, get that ledge, that rail. And I didn't want to go, like, I wanted to, once you made that mental switch, like, it's almost like the city reopened up. It does. For, it's for, a new playground. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think people are, people are even furthering that now with, with skateboarding BMX. I see, dude, I see the shit BMX dudes are doing on the street now. It's bananas. I can't even fathom it. A lot of the stuff I, I don't know how they're fucking doing it. It's, it's, it's bananas. Insane. Yeah. I have so much respect for those those guys. I'm um, skateboarding as well, but like for some reason the the shit like you know you're scrolling on the internet and videos pop up and I'll just sit there like with my jaw open watching some of these videos. Uh, and, me too. And so it's, it's a huge part of my feed. Yeah. A yeah. huge part of my feed. Yeah, and mine's it, mine's for some reason dirt bike crashes. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of those too. Yeah. Dirt bike crashes and, and BMX and uh, recently wakeboard videos keep coming up. That would be a fun podcast is like a, a public a public Instagram feed session. Yeah. Where you just through. see what 
what pops up on your feed that would tell so much about a person it's it's really funny to think about uh, we, can, we can look at mine right now i would have I, I don't have my phone here i would definitely have um a lot of motorcycle related content like choppers are in there really big and then um dude i you know what this is this is a funny story so when i was i had been in california for a while living in downtown at the chun uh with snake and i was riding my bicycle from the warehouse to echo park one afternoon gotcha and i'm i'm riding down uh what is that neighborhood angela's not angela's crest sorry um a angelina heights something like that you you're gonna know way better than i will. okay well anyway <laughs> i i looked up this street like three blocks away I'm riding by, and it's like, you know, street goes by like that, right? Yeah. I look up the street, and I saw someone reaching in the back of a trunk of a car from like three blocks away. Yeah. And it triggered something in my brain, like this instant flood of like recognition, like visual (laughs) acuity, like that's somebody you know. And I doubled back and I looked up the street and it's just this scene of someone reaching in the trunk of a car. Yeah. No one's on skates. No one's facing me. This mm-hmm. is the backs of people. Yeah. And I go, that's fucking Alex Brasco. Okay. Who I have, I grew up skating with. Yeah. Arguably one of the best in the world. Oh my God. Yeah. If not definitively. <clears throat> and, and still. Still. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I don't, I mean, Alex was always a child to us he was gromit that was his his nickname for years people who know him well still call him gromit my father called him gromit you know (laughs) and uh i pedaled my bicycle uphill like three blocks and sure enough it was alex and julio and i think my buddy robbie getting out of the car just looking for skate spots yeah they hadn't even got their skates out yet. They were just looking around. Yeah. And I fucking threw that bicycle on the side of the road and I go, oh my God. <laughs> I saw you. I saw your back from three blocks away at yeah. reaching in the trunk of the car and I knew exactly what was happening here. That's funny, man. It was just such a beautiful moment. And, you know, to see, to see John do so well, like come back from such a, it's such a triumphant story. Yeah. I'd love to get him on this thing and just... You know, Alex, too, just the years of development. And that kid has no weak trick. He has no weak side. No, he's, he's, it's an effortless extension of, of his, whatever his mind wants to do. The shit I have seen that kid do, just fucking around. Yeah. Not a kid anymore. You know, grown ass man. Yeah, you still have the grommet built in there. You gotta let that go. <laughs> he's such he's such a collection of everyone we skated with at the time. It's so so cool to see, you know, that develop. You know, because he, he was skating with us at such a young age. I'm not kidding. Like, maybe like five years old. And he came from ice hockey. Yeah. Like he, to see him, even as a little kid on the, you know, he was just born for this. Yeah. And to see him get on ice again, like, it will blow your mind. Yeah, I just had the thought right before you said that. Like, imagine, because to be a good hockey player, you have to be a good skater. Dude, he was fucking unreal. So fucking fast. And you see it with him when he's on concrete. You're like, he skates like he's on ice still. 
Like he's a breakaway mm-hmm. going for a goal. Yeah. Oh, that's rad, man. It's so I beautiful. I I love him too. I He was living in Portland for quite a while. He was. He's he's in he's in LA now. I've missed him. Every time he's been come out to the desert, we've missed each other, but I caught him that one day digging <laughs> through the trunk of his car. Yeah. That this was so recently. special. I mean, this would have been like four years ago, probably. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, probably right after the Portland stint. I haven't seen him since then. We text on on back and forth every now and yeah. then, you know. And I think the last time I talked to him was when Ben Wise passed away. Oh, yeah. That's really sad. Ben was a, he was kind of a tragic character. Yeah. But was such a fun skater. Yeah. No, he yeah, he he really was. <clears throat> really good sessions with that guy. I I think he passed. I think he got hit on his bike. That's what Alex said. Is that how it went down? I mean, I I figured it was from something worse. You know, like yeah. you know, uh, addiction or mm. you know, because yeah, he, he suffered he from that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I think he got hit on his mo- on his motorcycle. No shit. Mm-hmm. That's what Alex said. That's oh, a bummer. It is, yeah. But when you when you when we started talking about this and putting it together, there was like this kindness and effortlessness to you that it makes total sense to me now <laughs> where you came from yeah. in that in that overlap. Yeah, it's a, it's so funny. Yeah, I I had no idea. I had no idea. And I think <clears throat> after we talked about it, I, I think we we knew of each other. You know, I was on the East Coast and you were yeah. in the Midwest. And, yeah. Um, and you you know you see videos and stuff like that, and and through friends know of other people. Um, but I I can't remember who said. You know, because it was right when we were starting to do this collaboration on the shirt, and I can't remember like what residual skater friend i still have i wonder who it was yeah because it i mean that was a long time ago it's it's like that part of me comes up very doesn't come up very often yeah me me neither um i'm trying to remember who i'm spacing on who said it now but they were like is that todd the old rollerblader from midwest kansas city kansas city right yeah yeah Uh um and I was like, I don't know. I, <laughs> I met Todd through Chris Warren. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I, the, I think I called you back. Like we were you talking did. about the shirt. You did. And I was like, Todd, I, I gotta ask you something. Did you use rollerblade? That's so. And funny. you were like, Yeah. And then you know we we had a maybe twenty minute conversation about uh, the ins and outs of where we grew up skating and all that. That's so funny, man. <laughs> Just the collection of overlap there is, oh, it would be a wild web. Oh, man. To weave. Oh, for sure. Like some some of my best friends that I have now, I didn't know back in the day, um, but I know them through the web of rollerblading. Yeah. Like Kyler, um, artist buddy. Uh-huh. He used to skate in Boise way back in the day. Well, you've been buds with Eric Bailey and, and yeah. that crew? Yeah. yeah. I knew yeah. Eric way back in the day, but I'm way better friends with him now after moving to the West Coast. And, and we've never even skated together. You know, That's like so a, funny. That's, we have, yeah. No, there's no tie-in except the fact that of, of that We way. share this thing, yeah. You, that, that was once, you know, speaking of heavy hitters, Eric was one of my favorite skaters. Oh, my God, yeah. He's, I mean, he was... His his style was so he was just a fucking athlete, man. Yeah. It was awesome to watch him skate and charge at things. There was like a lot of Josh Petty in him. You sure, know, when yeah. when Petty came on the scene in in I would have been like late nineties, yeah. he was skating so fast. Yeah. 
And there was like a lot of, when I started watching Eric skate, I was like, man, I've, I don't know if he consciously did that, but I'm like, you're pulling a lot of petty yeah. when you, when you skate. It was really cool. Yeah. It's that, that, that time when it switched from, you remember like way when rails were kind of new and we'd, we'd like barely skate up, up, yeah, up yeah, yeah. jump on and, yeah and then you know progressively got and then at, at one point and maybe it was the petty that like one petty video that came out that was just like he was i think it was yeah and everyone's like shit we got to go fast now yeah and and i think you kind you of know, broke the you know because like if you watch the 411 videos and everything of skateboarding yeah. you know of, of skateboarding street this would have been the same time because i was watching those videos too me too like i yeah and that was really fun and we were still you know we had a four foot mini ramp in the backyard that we skateboarded on more than we rollerbladed on yeah you know and but we all had small wheels yeah. it was like small wheels on street going slow yeah you know learning flip tricks yeah. uh in the driveway yeah um so everything was kind of slow back then yeah you know and and then uh yeah petty was the one that really blew it out of the water with you know charging at everything yeah. and it's it started happening in skateboarding i think maybe a little earlier i remember going faster yes yeah, uh, yeah. jamie thomas in that zero video yeah that section changed my perception on skateboarding and rollerblading because i was at the time i was fucking around with both and yeah I well i mean i thought it was still it was still okay to do both and if you go yeah. back far enough in those yeah. 411 videos there's occasionally like a rollerblade trick in it yeah it's really funny yeah you know and and there was there was some of the guys that were you know crossing over and and doing both at, at those early days i remember what what where was it? it was it on the airwalk tour okay and i was still like my parents were still like you're doing what with grown-ups you know yeah. like it was still like not okay for me to go for skate sure. these things but some of the skateboarders at that time on the airwalk tour were were doing both and they were like the first ones to start doing lines that's yeah. when it clicked for me to yeah. like because they were skating lines and skateboarding and they were actually telling me they're like okay you did that trick now go over here and you know do another one yeah. you know it's like do this in a line yeah. probably like oh, fucking i don't know 13 14 years old yeah. like can't even drive yet and I'm, and I'm like oh okay older guys telling me to do this thing like yeah it's just funny how that that all came together it's neat and it's neat to to know that uh that inspiration was was so directly felt at that time because the, you mentioned earlier that the, it was still a young sport and we were borrowing a lot um and i remember watching i can't remember what the video is called but it was a philly skateboard video it's like the it might have been the first time the love gap was in there. I think Ricky Oyola mm -hmm. did it, and there was like a Kerry Getz section, and Kerry Getz was like super technical. But like watching those guys and how they skated, especially the city that I was still skating, I borrowed so much from from those skateboard videos. Same. I wish I remember that might have been the Sub Zero video. There was a skate shop in Philly called Sub Zero Skateboard Shop. Um, I don't know if that's still there or not. Dude, those VHS days were so fucking fun. Yeah. It was the same thing for, for snowboarding. Like, yeah. when yeah. when the snowboarding videos started coming out on VHS, it was like an exposure to what was possible. Yeah. Like, you had this visual now of how to do these things you've been conceptualizing. Yeah. Um, and then you had, you, you had these turning points, like... Uh, uh, I think you were talking about the Jamie Thomas section yeah. when decade came out for snowboarding. Mm -hmm. It was just like, there's a, it, it, 
the music and the way that it was shot, the production quality showed these tricks in a new light. Yeah. And it was just like opened the door, man. Yeah. Fucking floodgates on. And I pulled a lot. I pulled a lot from snowboarding then. Gotcha. And gotcha. and this was the time when parks, private parks were starting to be built. Sure. So before public concrete skate parks, we were starting to get private indoor masonite skate light skate parks. Yeah, yeah. Which those were the first real ramps that we skated. But all of a sudden I could do these snowboard tricks on, on the, you know, I didn't have to wait for wintertime. Yeah. It was like, we had a ramp we could practice on. It was awesome. Yeah. That's rad. Yeah. I never, um, I, I snowboarded a little bit, but I could never afford to, <laughs> to, yeah. to go do it. Yeah. Um, so I, I never saw those videos until actually, I'm going to say recently, but within the past like decade, I met, um, Guy I used to work with was a pro, Shane Flood. You remember that name? Mm. Um, it does ring a bell. He worked at a at a bar that I worked at, and uh, I went down a rabbit hole of we were talking about. He used to do it, and I YouTubed a, a section of his, and I was like, Jesus fucking Christ! Yeah, and this is old stuff, probably around around that time. That yeah, talking about. Well, they were going I, huge. Yeah, yeah. There and and a lot of it was um, it wasn't park yet. It was just like backcountry ramps that yeah. they were building, but they had figured out how to build these massive kickers and how to line everything up perfectly, yeah. and it was just beautiful to watch. So inspiring. Yeah. Do you remember when they were, when, um, I guess this would have been about 2000, um, Solomon was trying to kind of groom some of us to go into skiing? I do remember that kind of happening, yeah. yeah. So, so I tried it, and I fucking the first time I put those boots on, I was like, "There is no way I'm doing this." <laughs> it's the most uncomfortable. Yeah. You see this ball on the side of my foot? Oh yeah. Do you see that fucker? Yeah. That's... You know how painful that was? Imagine doing torque tricks or royale tricks, yeah, like yeah. with that yeah. thing. Totally, it's right. It's right in that sweet spot. So there were very few hard boots that I could wear. Gotcha. And and skiing was way worse. Yeah. Because it was just like it hurt my foot so bad. They call that a sixth toe, but it really like limited me on what I could put up with. And that's just like a natural occurrence. Yeah, it's a bone. That. Yeah. It's it's and it's on both feet. Yeah. It's it it's quite painful actually. I believe it, man. Yeah. yeah it's kind of weird. It. Yeah. The boots or whatever ski boots rollerblades aren't meant for that shape no they're they're really not we're talking about it's like a six inch toe sticking off the <laughs> side of my foot no it's it's, it's, it's like an it's like another fucking toe yeah i don't know what evolutionary thing that that is but it is an occurrence that some people have <laughs> they thought you needed a little extra something <laughs> i mean it, it kind of helps with balance in the right situations <laughs> yeah. but it can be painful otherwise yeah Oh, that's funny, man. Um, so yeah, I'm moving out to the desert. Yeah, come um, on. I, I love it here. House across the street is for sale. Yeah, and I know that we can get it down. I know. I will that broker that deal for you. Amanda, my wife, wants to live in the desert, 100. percent She's not a. She loves Oregon, the community, and and the the atmosphere there, but the. Um, people talk about rain in, in Oregon and it's, it's, there's actually more rainfall on the East coast more. Yeah. Like real rain, but 
the rain rainy season in Oregon, um, if you haven't experienced it, it's just long and gray. Dude. It's so long and so gray, and, and it bums you. By the end of it, you're like, trust me. I can't do this anymore. You you know Seattle. I put, yeah. I put it in. I moved to the exact opposite environment yeah. for a reason, and I am so much happier. <laughs> I believe so much more productive and happier. And um, I would recommend to anyone in the Northwest who needs a change <laughs> of vitamin D and a change of life yeah. to get out here because it is it is worth the expense of moving yeah. just for that. You got to bring her out here. I, I want to. I, I really want to. And maybe that uh, – uh, Eric get, and I were just mentioning a trip of like bringing the bikes. Well, no, when you bring the shovel and the dirt bike down, yeah. <clears throat> bring her yeah. and she can hang out. We've got – all the ladies out here too they yeah, you know she would she would love it out here yeah i feel like that would be the jam if you were looking to convince her yeah she would she wanted to move to this town called terlingua texas it's west texas Oof. it's the middle of nowhere and she fell in love with that town but then you gotta be around texas <clears throat> it's, no offense it's it's a neat little kind of artist community town. I don't know. I was only there for a couple of days, so I don't know too much about it. But it's near Big Bend National Park. That's there. beautiful. It's no, that's so, stunning. But I can't. It kind of reminds me of here, actually. It definitely does. Yeah. Um, I couldn't. See, it's so far from anything. Yeah, it's it's you know, way so down to there. Exist in it in like a <clears throat> especially now with the business. Um, there it just wouldn't. It yeah. wouldn't work. You know, I have to have access. That is a beautiful spot, though. And and there are parts of Texas that are just amazing. And then there are parts that are just endless. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. But this, we're not that far from things that I could get myself into business-wise. And um, We do day trips all the time into L.A. Yeah. Like, you time it right, you're in, you're out. Yeah. And you just, and then if you're, the timing's off, you just wait it out. Yeah, for sure. And there's, the thing about L.A., there's always something to do. Yeah. So it's a it's a fine commute. I get I get very it. frustrated. Like the other night, I was going to the comedy store, and uh, it it was probably a I don't know I don't know I'm, I'm guessing here, but it was probably a ten minute drive, and it took me forty seven <laughs> minutes yeah. in a cab. Yeah. You know? It's like three blocks. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. I remember. And I was so frustrated because uh, a friend was like playing a set a time at a certain time and I wanted to make it. And, Hold on. We saved this story, right? You were going to tell me. Oh, oh yeah. So yeah, you, yeah. you went to go see Mark Marin. Yeah. I went to see Marin, which is one of my favorite comedians. He's a fucking genius. He he's, is the man. Yeah. God, he's, he's fucking, he's a riot. And yeah, when it, when it's like, like raw Mark territory, um, <clears throat> of, of like, post post special material that is kind of a vein he's in right now it's just so neat to see him work stuff out because his mind works in in such a he's such a pro at it yeah <clears throat> he's such a fucking pro at, at comedy and expressing the thoughts in his head in, in a fucking hilarious way um that it's it's just magic to see it especially in this phase you know when he's working the material out and um, I was I was lucky enough to see that yeah. for when he was working out the stuff for his last special. The best date I ever took my wife on. Oh yeah, was to the ice house. Yeah, and we sat front and center, and he was working out the stuff for, that we see on his last special. Now yeah. that was gotcha. Like he came up with a 
with a fucking notebook you know what i mean and was kind of auditioning things and and feeling it out and playing off the people like there was a couple next to us and he just you know some of that stuff's pretty out there you know he'd he'd look down at them and just be like not doing it for you (laughs) yeah not even a nothing you know oh he's the king of making people feel uncomfortable (laughs) like we like shifting in your chair yeah Oh my god! I looked over at my wife, and her mouth was just open. This laughing so hard. Every other joke, man. Oh, it was so fun. That's the only comedy special I've ever, or uh, thing I've ever been to. But it was, if that's the only one I ever do in my life, it was yeah. the greatest. You're good. Yeah, you're I was. Good. I was good. And uh, you know, I caught him after the show. Um, as he was walking out, my, my bike parked behind the building, and um. I think he might have been there with his dad or something, his family ushering him out. Gotcha. And I re I really wanted to get him in the room with George Christie, who's a who's a friend of mine. Okay. And has some of the greatest stories. Yeah. You know, and he's never done he's alluded to motor like bike stuff. Yeah. Like he's had Dennis Hopper on there, or sorry, Peter Fonda, yeah. and you know he said he has the Easy Rider poster up, and his, uh, you know, and he talks about these things sometimes. I'm like, you really ought to talk to this character, who you know has one of the, he's one of the most well-spoken representations of this culture I got still living. Gotcha. He's like, you guys would fire back and forth. It would be amazing. But he said he was like, you know, I don't know. You get those guys in front of a microphone, and I, <laughs> I, I just. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, well, maybe you're right yeah. but not with George George would fucking blow his mind gotcha but I suggested that to him maybe it'll happen someday but the, the, I, I do have another Mark story where um, I was just finishing up with in my mind it was the Peter Fonda interview at my shop in downtown okay I just clicked it off and was locking the door and leaving and I opened the door to my yard and Mark's standing in front of the door of my shop. Oh shit. Just standing there. <laughs> I was like, whoa, this is weird. But I have my helmet on, my bandana, my bike's idling right there. And he's kind of like, whoa. Yeah. And uh, I could tell he was like, what's this guy going to say or, or do? I think when I opened the door, I was like, oh, hey, Mark. And he's like, oh, hey, buddy. <laughs> like standing there like this. Yeah. Can't even see my face. Yeah. And I go, well, Boomer lives. And I walked past <laughs> it and I kind of looked over my shoulder. He was just kind of like laughing, walking down the street. But it turns out that my neighbor, who was a ceramicist, did the original cat mugs for him. Oh, gotcha. That Pretty he cool. used to sell yeah. on his site, which makes me wish I would have got one back then. Yeah. Yeah. He he had sent me one of those. And you got one? It's, it's pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. He's, he's, he's been so fucking supportive of our, of our brand. It's that's awesome. Really, really sweet. And not, you know, it's, it's almost, I, I mean, he, he likes the stuff, which is where it starts. He, yeah. I'm sure if he didn't course. like it, he would probably tell you. Oh, 100%. <laughs> and it fits him well. But I met Mark through uh, my buddy Dean Del Rey. You know him? Yeah. Also a, a um, phenomenal comedian. Yeah. Man, that dude cracks me up, man. He I, was really into bikes. I think yeah, he still is. Yeah, you know? he, uh, I think he's he's he he got in bed. Dean got in a bad wreck. And, mm. and I think that ended his riding for the most part. Still appreciates um, him, though. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Dean's an appreciator of, of many, many things. We got to uh, send, we should send Mark one of our shirts. Yeah. On the next yeah, totally. round. Yeah, we and, can. And to let everyone know, 
Mike drove the shirts from Portland <laughs> to or flew with them and then drove them out here. So yeah. we are mailing those out. You know, we're going to package them up and mail them out to you hand delivered from the shop. I thought it'd be more fun to just come drop them off. It so. was. And we needed to do this little sit down yeah. and cover some ground. And I could not be, I seriously would not change a fucking thing about the shirts we made. I'm really glad you like them, man. This was everything we talked about, you know? And even the material where I was kind of like, for a period of time there, I was like, man, are we going to fucking find this shit or not? Yeah. It was, it's perfect. Yeah. It, it, we, we landed on the, there were some that were a little too loosely woven and linen, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it feels loose and finding this one that has that kind of hardy hardiness to it. Yeah. If you will. It's like a work shirt. Yeah. But it still has the breathe, breathability. It's my uniform. Yeah. I have not taken that shirt off since I, since we finished it. It suits you. It looks like it belongs out here. Same. Yes. And, uh, also doing the snap, but like finding a tight enough linen to do the snap buttons yeah. is non-existent. Yeah, so no our, linen shirts have those snap buttons. No, in our um, so the the snaps that we're talking about, I I developed them with a company in Connecticut. They're what amounts to a pearl snap without yeah. the pearl. Yeah, um, it's it's just like a brass um, dome. It's it's the same way. So there are these there are these prongs. I think six prongs that come in through the fabric and then lock into the other part of the snap. And that's how they're, how they're held on the shirt. And it if works. The, if the fabric is just to explain that point, if the fabric's too, too loosely woven, it, it'll just tear it up. It just won't hold on there. And because these snaps are durable. Yeah. Like I'll snap up elbows or sorry, um, wrists and collar. Like mm. I love the collar on that. Yeah. Like the, because a lot of those neck, top buttoning a top neck will kind of choke me out. Yeah. yeah. But this is perfect. And when I ride, I like to button the top button. Gotcha. Not for a look, but just for a function. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, it's never unsnapped ever. Yeah. A lot of them will blow open. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're wearing a Western shirt with snaps and you're yeah. riding your bike down the road, it's like. Yeah. Dude, the other day, or a couple, I was riding, sorry, side note. But no, go ahead. Riding down to McMinnville, Oregon. Um, and I got a fucking bee just came at me chest first, right? Yep. Or butt first, right in the chest. Yep. I wish I had that top button snapped. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a real thing, just... man. The desert, the desert bees uh, this time of year, as you experienced in the pool. Yeah. Like yeah, they're we hanging out with the bees yesterday. They swarm. Like sometimes you'll go through a swarm. So I always wear a bandana yeah. um, a certain time of year out here because we go, th- there's a lot of bees. Yeah. I've had them in my helmet. You, they go up your sleeves and if you're wearing if you're wearing a jacket uh and you have a long sleeve buttoned at the thing you can kind of have your jacket cuff open and induct air yeah. and if a go- bee goes in your jacket you're still not fucked yeah but if yeah. your shirt's open and one goes in there mm-hmm. it's like he's in there he's in there and once the once something like that happens with a bee they don't want to sting you but no at that point like they're trapped and they're gonna sting. They're gonna sting. Fuck it. Well, uh, we have yellow jackets too, oh. and they'll just keep fucking stinging you. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's that's always an incident. Yeah. But yeah, man, I'm very proud of what we did, and I can't wait. Yeah. I cannot wait to do more. Likewise, man, we have fabric uh, that is going through the dyeing process right now, and more fabric this time so what what did we do 40 last time yeah we did 91 yards yeah made 40 shirts 
So now we've got a over two two hundred fifty yards. I think we could do about a hundred shirts. And um, so buckle up, ladies and gentlemen, and yeah. get your order in when we launch them because they go real fast and they're worth it. Yeah, they're they're beautiful shirts, and that goes right back into trying to tell everybody from the northwest moving down to move down to Josh or this area and experience it (laughs) and you're going to need a shirt to go along with it (laughs) it's a utility here it really it really is it's a a breathable shade cloth that you wear yeah you know i want i want to do everything kind of built desert specific because there's a certain time of year this applies to everywhere i just went back to kansas it was a fucking 101 degrees um with i don't know probably like a hundred thousand percent (laughs) humidity and it was it was deadly hot. Yeah. But I, you know, that sure still breathes. Yeah. Even in the humidity. Like oh, it, it'd it, it be works. perfect in, in Portland right now, too. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm, it's still hot up there, and I will. I, I, I'm a creature of habit, and I have, like, one shirt that I wear all the time. Same. It's a denim, denim shirt. So it's hard for me to cycle another one in because I just grab that shirt. That's yeah. Like, it's sitting by the door, and I grab it. When Do you I think leave. you'll be able to cycle this one in? I'm, I'm going to try, especially yeah. thinking about... Um, how fucking hot it is in Portland right Yeah, you now. guys got the heat wave. Yeah. Make it easier on yourself. Yeah. I geek out on these things, like these materials and finding these, just like playing with the, the canvas swatches. Mm-hmm. The The material itself is such an application. Yeah. Like it really... It truly is. There's a big difference. If I even sit in the car with a denim shirt on and drive from here to town, like I am boiling when the sun's coming through yeah. the windshield. But if I'm wearing that and the sun's hitting me, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like I'm comfortable. Yeah. You know, you're getting that breathability of wearing a tank top or something like that. Yeah. Because because the air just kind of it just walks through. right through. You don't want to. You don't want to have bare skin out in this sun. Fuck you know? no. You have to stay covered. Yeah. But everything you stay covered with overheats you. Yeah. yeah. So I I geek out on that shit. It gets yeah, me I mean, excited. That's that's the that's the thing. Long long lived with linen is it's always it's been that piece of garb it was always a a desert fabric yeah you know like the bedouin cultures Mm. i guess it's old as fuck yeah flax yeah yeah well thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of ship john oh man developing this it's been a pleasure and we'll do we'll do another round and more colors and whatever else and if i get this fucking store going Buckle up, because we're going to make some cool when, shit. When you get the story going. When I get this story going. <laughs> you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? Spoiler alert. I am trying to open an actual brick-and-mortar store that will have the things that we make that you will want to come try on with coffee and baked goods that my wife do. Amazing baked goods. Yes. Yes. And uh, I'm excited for another cup of coffee today, as yeah. a matter of fact. Me too. <laughs> Let's go do it. And get some food, huh? Thanks for having me out here, Todd. You bet. It's, my, it's uh, my pleasure. Beautiful folks, beautiful land, and uh, couldn't be happier. We can't wait to get you back out. Yep. More good times to come. You want to go ride some dirt bikes? Oh, then? let's do it, man. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. See you. And that is that. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Elias. I hope you feel like you know him a little bit better. I know that I feel that way after sitting down for two days out here having a blast having a ball mike you mike thank you mike you <laughs> mike you very much my friend mike you very much uh, it's 
There's a lot going on. I've got a long list to do in a very short day, and that just feels like it goes on forever, doesn't it? I've got a lot of cutting on the plate for this show, a lot of editing to do, and I know I've reached out before, and I have gotten emails. I'm so sorry if those got lost again. I try and do this project between the cracks, guys, and and it takes a lot, so you're going to have to be really proactive if you want to jump on board. But I need editors, I need sound designers, I need colorists to help get this stuff done. I'm um, halfway through Eric Dean's edit right now. I've got most of Rocco's shot and most of Michael Lichter's shot, but I'm never going to get to those with everything else that I have to do. Scott Topher and I are trying to finish our little movie and package that up so we could potentially work on a race movie, a bigger race movie, but that takes a tremendous amount of time. Um, I'm going to Germany uh, in October. I'm kind of excited about that, actually. I'm going out to see the Leica factory and potentially the Zeiss factory, and I'll be doing a book signing in Frankfurt uh, or near there, I believe. So that's fun, but I, I like I'm saying, be patient with me. I'm getting these done, but it's hard when you're doing it by yourself. If you want to contribute in other ways than helping me with editing and sound and color, you can donate. I have actually started a Patreon. I don't know how to use it yet, but I'm on there as the Blue Toddcast. You know, email me if you get on there and try and contribute some way and, and it doesn't allow you to. I I don't know how to work shit. I'm going to be honest with you. My wife helps me a lot with the internet. I like to draw pictures and work on bikes. That's and sh- obviously the photography aspect of, of things. So I'm not very good at computers, but I'm learning. There's also PayPal, which I am Blue Todd Productions at Gmail on PayPal. And then there's also Venmo. I hate asking for money. Fucking hell, I hate it. God damn it. But I'm trying to keep this show ad free and make it a viable source to entertain my friends essentially and the public it's it's weird the, the way that the zeitgeist is turning this is going to be an important part of entertainment for a period of time i want to make sure that there is something out there that looks the way that it feels if that makes sense because most stuff is so projected of cool and tough guy and and it's just I don't know a lot of those people when you get down to it it's a funny little geeked out crew of people just really trying to ride their bikes and build bikes and I have never laughed harder with a group of guys or been stuck in situations that should be frustrating and dangerous and we're all elated for it. And I just want to make sure there is something out there for a sense of comparison that isn't this this exposition of too cool to touch. That's all I'm saying. And that's what I'm trying to do. 
And I don't want to have to sell Pepsi or tea towels or whatever the fuck it is to do that. So that is my artist statement. Uh, not very concise, but I think you get the picture. Anyway, like I said, I got a long list of shit to do in a short day, so I'm going to have to go now. But I love you all very much. I want you to ride safe, be good to each other, and have fun in whatever you're doing. Okay? Todd Bluebot, signing off.